from the creators of Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, May 1st, 2015, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Stamps.com. A lot of us small businesses get stuck doing things the old way, just out of habit. I mean, we're all, we're all guilty of that, yeah. uh, including vital operations like mailing and shipping that can be so time-consuming. If you're still making trips to the post office, you need Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can do all your mailing and shipping right from your desk and never go to the post office again. You can print uh, postage for any letter or package using your own computer and printer. Then you just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in the mailbox. Uh, Stamps.com is convenient and easy to use, and it will save you money. You'll get special postage discounts you can't even get at the post office. Here at Relevant, we use Stamps.com, and you use Stamps.com. Yeah, and I, I don't even hand it to my mail carrier because he's such a mean he's terrib- guy. Yeah, terrible guy. Yeah, this is uh, really helpful. We love it. Other than the mean mail carriers, we love yeah. stamps. I thought it was time to call out the mail carrier nationally. Do you tip him? Do you tip him no, at I Christmas? Him. I don't even talk to him. He's the worst. He oh. is, no, he is no a- Eddie, Eddie doesn't give service people Christmas gifts. I think we've established <laughs> oh, this. That is true. I love our mail person. He's so nice. He's like at the door every day. He's yeah. great. See, that's great. Our mail person won't even acknowledge my children. Wait, at your door? <clears> so they have to come up and walk through? the snow to your door? Well, we get a lot of packages. So he'll put like regular mail in the mailbox. But if anything comes, you know, from the postal service, you know, like I would say three times a week, he does have to get out and, and come to us. And he's super nice about it. Yeah. Oh, Here's why nice all, our mail carrier is a jerk, because um, he will do everything he can to see if one of those packages can fit in the mailbox. <laughs> and so like it shouldn't go in the mailbox. But like I had the Warby Parker home try on thing. And he just jammed it in there. And, you, and it was so hard to get out. He's just the worst. And he kicks your daughters as if he sees them playing in the yard. <laughs> He's the worst guy. Our our mailbox is on the front porch, like right by the door. Like oh, that's... mail is delivered by hand in my neighborhood. Like they just park the truck and walk from house to house. Oh, that's nice. And we, I usually have like the shades or something open and it startles me every time. Like, right. Oh man, there's someone right outside the door. <laughs> right. And he's got mail. But it's not a slot. It doesn't go into your, into your house. No, that would be cool. Those are great. A friend of mine has one of those, and you'll be like at her house for lunch, and all of a sudden you'll hear like, and you're like, what's happening? And it's every little piece of mail hitting the ground. It feels like so old fashioned. If I was a mailman, that would be like the highlight of my day. I would be like frisbeeing. I would be like, I wonder how far (laughs) I can get this letter. Like, I want them to find this letter in the the kitchen. Into the front hallway. I want I want the, the 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 homeowner to be like, was the mailman in the house? Because this is three rooms back. <laughs> like I'm putting spin on it so it like curves around the hall. I would like study the layout of the house from the outside and fold it into like paper airplanes with like the right amount of English on it. English. Um, I know we got to get back to stamps.com, but have any of you started getting uh, mail on Sunday? Yeah, I, well, from Amazon. Yeah, it's super weird. Amazon, yeah. Amazon packages on Sunday. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm it's, like a like a dude in a beige suburban. Yeah, like it's not. It's right. so weird. Right. Like well, I, I wasn't expecting anyone, and I don't know that person. And he, it's not. He's not driving a UPS truck. It's just some random dude handing right. me stuff. He's a freelance deliverer. How big? Yeah. How big do they have to get to do packages on Sunday, though? That's well, nuts. they bailed out the U.S. Postal Service. 
I mean, yeah. that was the deal. I yeah. mean, like they Amazon struck a deal with the USPS that kind of like saved the USPS, and the the deal was we want mm-hmm. seven days of delivery. But the best thing is, even though this post office is closed on Sunday, I can still send packages. Stamps.com. All the way back. Look there at that. Go. Nailed it. Right now, use our promo code relevant for a special offer, a no risk trial plus a hundred and ten dollar bonus offer, which includes a digital scale and up to fifty five dollars of free postage. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com. Before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in relevant. That's stamps.com. Enter relevant. Well, like I said, I'm Cameron. Here with me in our Orlando studio, Eddie Big Cat Coffles. Nice to see you, man. Over there uh, on the interim ones and twos, John David Snavely. Greetings. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, with English on it, that's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. <laughs> and from Chicago, Illinois, author and speaker, Shauna Nequist. Good morning. So this is this is an important episode of the podcast okay. uh, because this has been a big week in the world uh, and, and national news and, and international news. Obviously, the uh, the crisis of uh, that's happening in Nepal uh, mm-hmm. made the headlines, and we coming up later on the show have Scott Harrison yeah. and uh, Christoph Gorder from Charity Water joining us to talk about Nepal. They've been working there for years, and they are doing some unprecedented stuff now in the emergency relief. So they're joining us later. Now, let me just ask what we're thinking real quick. Yeah. And I don't mean to change the tone of things. It's fine. And now, Scott is coming on to talk about the crisis. Yeah. W- is it insensitive to ask him a single question about the Nickelback thing, or do we just need to keep it on? <sighs> I think that would be best to... <laughs> Feel out in just, the moment? Yeah, maybe, or okay. just avoid completely. Because I really... Just, w- it's, it's a conversation <laughs> for another day. I really want maybe wanna, th- we should just let that die forever. Maybe we just start with that, though, so that it doesn't seem insensitive, because <laughs> I do want to know what he thought about it. Well, I can tell you privately what he thought about it, because he called me, but... Um, <laughs> for those, let's, just say, let's just say, knowing what he thinks about it, why don't we just keep it in Nepal? Yeah, let's go to <laughs> Nepal, and then... Yeah, right, great. So, yeah, I mean, Jesse raised almost $40,000 for... Or, uh, charity Water uh, so, doing the Nickelback stunt. Anyhow, probably and, uh, back to more important pressing things. Yeah, just, like like Nepal. I just wanted to ask, but I didn't want to ask in front of him. That's like asking if your friend can spend the night like in front of your mom. Like you gotta <laughs> wait. You know, I wanted to see before he was on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I loved doing that. I always did that. Yeah. I got <laughs> that was like my special trick with yeah. my parents. Yeah. Right. Because they don't want to look like jerks in front of. Totally. Him, so they're like, oh sure. She's holding her sleeping bag. Right. And her stuffed animal. But right. totally cool if that's a no. It's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> Right, that's what I just did. We can, we, it's mom, dad. It's fine. We can tell her they're not welcome in our home. It's, <laughs> it's, we can tell her it's because you don't like her and her family and and, and you know just the way she is as a person. But whatever, know, it's totally fine. Yeah, that's fine. Let's tell her right now to her face. She's right here. <laughs> You're not welcome here. You're not welcome in our home. Obviously, the crisis in Baltimore and, mm-hmm. and all the things going on there. Uh, a big week in Relevant World. The new issue releases this mm-hmm. week. Uh, People started getting it. Hillsong United's on the cover. And uh, we we have a segment coming up later on the show mm-hmm. where we kind of go behind the scenes on the issue. Tyler's joining us mm-hmm. to talk about the new issue. But probably, and not to be insensitive to the other crises, but probably the biggest thing that we need to talk about this week yeah. is what happened on Wednesday morning Nick Walenda oh, yeah. walked on the Orlando Eye. <laughs> it was big. Uh, Ferris wheel. Yeah, it was and it was the most disappointing thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I didn't even see it. You know why? Why? I've had the flu for 48 hours. Oh. Yeah, that's why I didn't see it. That's why I didn't go. I've just been. That's so t- what, tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, well, no, I didn't go either. People have been but texting you watch us it on and tweeting day. us yeah. and saying like, oh, this is a big deal. Like you guys flew to Chicago to see Nick Walenda do the right. High Wire Act. I mean, he's right in your backyard. Surely you guys are going to go. Who's got time for that? And I checked the news last night. They weren't letting people come. 
they weren't allowed they were like mm-hmm. shutting it down please don't come like like the, we don't want an audience mm-hmm. here they didn't want to deal with it i don't know it was just a stunt for the today show i guess and so they didn't want like to have to deal with crowds and so they were just basically discouraging people they shut down the parking garage they didn't want people to come so i feel like that's sort of a mismatch right like i'm going to do this thing that's and the whole point of it is that people watch me do it that's like what it is but definitely do not come do, well, do you feel do you feel like the Nick Walinda moment is over unless he has do you feel like in order for him to like walking on high stuff is no longer going to bring the crowds. Like he has to do the Red Bull jump from space thing at this point. I think the next the only thing left for him is to jump a motorcycle across Niagara Falls. Yeah. Yeah. So funny, right, Jesse? <laughs> but no, 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 here's here's the thing about Nick Walinda. He reminded me about his immense ego. Yeah. In this in the in the moment. So again, news outlets saying don't go, there's no parking, there's no crowd control. Right. This is not for you. This is a Today Show stunt. He gets out on the live television. I guess nobody told him what we were told as locals. And uh he gets out and he says on the mic, he goes, Well, his first thing, he's looking around. Well, he's on the top of this four hundred foot tall Ferris wheel. Well, I guess we gotta commend the mayor of Orlando. Because everybody here has a job because they sure aren't here. <laughs> what a jerk. What a jerk. Well, well I feel like, look. That's really unkind. He is the undisputed LeBron James of walking on really high stuff. Yeah, but that's saying. <laughs> Agree the, or not. Agree or not. Well, yeah. kind of. But that's okay, also like okay. comparing it. Wait, 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 wait. Before you get to your point, though, that's like as if LeBron James was the only player in the NBA. Oh. <laughs> then he would be. Of course, he's the LeBron James of the NBA. He's the only one. Well, first, congrats. You got the joke. Second. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sec- secondly, going. who can blame the guy? I mean, it's not every day you see someone take their life in their hands for really no good reason. <laughs> right. I mean, like, for the today like, show. If someone say, why are you up there? He'll give you, like, some real ambiguous stuff about inspiring humanity and, and giving himself and others chills, but there's no reason to be up <laughs> giving there. Himself Plus, and I got I to gotta say, <laughs> Like, uh, you know, I'm a Today Show fan, but it's not number one anymore. Like, I would Are do this. Are you an hour three guy with Hoda and Kathy Lee, though? No, but I mean, like, but that's exactly what I'm He's saying. Deep I'm in like, the wine by I then. think you got to G- be a GMA. I think it's a GMA thing. You know, no, but- Today Show forever. I know they're I know they're not number one anymore, but I'm I'm definitely today over GMA. I think they've lost. I, I think they've lost their edge. I, I don't did know. Recently, read a couple books about it. Do you know that secretly, I would love to be a morning show host. I think it'd be the most fun in the world. You would be perfect. Oh, yeah. You would be so perfect. But you would have to get up really early every day. I have children. I get up early every day. You no, would but be, you have to get up at like yeah. Else would put makeup on my face and buy me fancy clothes, and I just sit there and chat with people. That's like a dream scenario. And you me. get a driver. Literally, all you have to do is a drive, and the driver brings coffee. Matt gets coffee and a and a paper from his driver every morning. I love Matt. I, I absolutely love I him. I do. I like him, too. I think he's kind of insufferable, but we're oh. going to have to agree to Kind of like Nick Walinda, which is why it's a perfect match Yeah, for the Today Show. <laughs> and they both need to, you know, like yeah. get attention right now. Al the Roker. Today Show. And- I, think, I think I'd like Al. Al seems like a nice fella, doesn't I would he? like Al, like Carson and Matt. Uh, Savannah and Natalie, they yeah. seem like very genuine, friendly people. 
I, I really loved Ann about? Curry, though. That was a real blow. Oh, for me. get I real, Shauna. That whole thing was a mess. They made the right move. She, I did. I was not. A, I was not a Curry. Okay, fan. listen, really? listen. I don't know if we're gonna have to edit this out, but I literally used the term Ann Curry crazy just to define a specific kind of crazy. Really? I didn't think she was crazy. I just felt oh, like yeah. she did. She lacked a little personality. Oh no, I think she's totally a lunatic. What kind of lunatic? And, and, and curry crazy. <laughs> I don't know. It's full circle. I can only describe it as hand curry crazy. She's I don't know the, what it is. She's the LeBron James of crazy. She is the yeah. only one doing it. That's the joke. But I'm, I'm going to try and do something because I don't really know what you're talking about. I'm going to try and do something just so that you call me and curry crazy. I'm going to do like a lot of different crazy and you let me know which one is and curry crazy. Here's what I want you to do. Sit down okay. with Angelina Jolie and just... Start using that voice, that kind of deep interview voice and ask yeah. super open-ended weird questions. I don't know. That's Ann Curry crazy. I don't know what it is. So so Nick Walenda, it was a huge letdown. Forgettable name. Here's, a, here's the deal. I mean, like he walks out, you know, and and, uh, and he's on the beam, you know, and he's disappointed with the crowd. So he's kind of got like an attitude, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and the thing, and then, you know, they're like, okay, it's going. And uh, so he's just kind of walking, strolling on this beam, and uh, it's very slowly moving, and uh, he's chatting with the hosts, you know, whatever, kind of bored, kind of, and again, annoyed that nobody's watching him. And then they go down to his dad, you know, on the ground, watching the monitor, and, and they go, did it stop? And, uh, oh, yeah, I guess it stopped. And uh, he crawled back into a pod, and that was that. It was like a minute yeah. long. It didn't even go all the way around. It was like, it didn't even, I was like, what was this? Man, so, I, well, thankfully there were no crowds because he would have likely got booed. <laughs> Gosh, I wonder if it gave him chills. Did he mention chills or no? He didn't mention chills. I think he was just upset that <laughs> we, nobody cared. <laughs> Honestly, nobody cared. Nobody. That's watched. what I'm saying. He's got to figure out a way to. I mean, maybe incorporate like juggling or something to kind of take it up a notch at this point. Well, I think like, he tried you know, to take it up got... a notch. He didn't have the bar, the balancing bar. He was just walking on a. Beam. Then when the camera like went up close to him, you know, it's four feet in the air. I'm not diminishing that, but the beam itself is a large steel frame. I mean, this thing is like the half he's the walking. size of a sidewalk. Right, half he's the width walking of a... on. Yeah. Uh, he's doing what we all did as kids, like as we'd walk down by the sidewalk and like hop up on the little ledge on the like, on the curb. Right. Yeah. Imagine if the curb was twice as wide. Right. That's what he was walking on slowly yeah. while chit-chatting with his friends. Imagine if the curve was twice as wide and you had a gigantic ego. That's exactly what it would be like. <laughs> That's what it was. Right. Like I said, I, I think if he could incorporate some magic tricks or something into it, I think it would really heighten the experience for spectators. Magic <laughs> I think wind. I think that's why the Chicago one was interesting because of the wind factor. I like the idea that you get up there and you have real elements to deal with. So, like, I feel like going across the Grand Canyon would be cool. I don't know. I'm over it. <laughs> he did the Grand Canyon. Oh. He did Niagara Falls. He did oh, He did skyscrapers. He's done. Now he went to a moving object, you know, with no... There, there's nothing left except motorcycles and Niagara Falls. That's, that's what it is. A wire slung between two helicopters. How cool would that, that be? That would be kind of cool. Yeah. That would be terrifying. Over Niagara Falls. My brother is uh, <laughs> over a shark's becoming a helicopter pilot. Cool. And he says it's the hardest thing he's ever done. No kidding. Yeah. And he's like, like he does all that kind of stuff. Like you're a boat captain, he's got pilot's license, all that kind of stuff. And he's really good at that stuff. Wow. And the helicopter, he's like, I can't even describe to you how difficult it is. He, I, he I, posted on Instagram last night. He's like, he had a full, like the thing got out of control, full rotation and all the way to the ground. And he was thankful to walk away. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure my mom was thrilled about that. Yeah. He was yeah. like, wow. hashtag praise the Lord, hashtag I'm thankful that I am alive, sort wow. of a thing. Yeah. So, no, I, 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 can, I can't relate directly to your brother's experience in, in uh-huh. undertaking such a, a risky venture, but I will say this. At a white elephant exchange this past Christmas, I got one of those mall oh my gosh. remote control helicopters. Yeah. I want one of those so bad. It is impossible. Impossible. You, <laughs> like, Impossible. I mean, I'm airborne for maybe 15 seconds before I clip like a yeah. curtain or something. I can't imagine flying an actual helicopter. We have, uh, there was one Christmas where we, Aaron got lots of those. And I remember so distinctly, I was serving brunch for his family. And all he wanted to do while I was cooking was land it on my head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, nothing has made me crazier than like Ann Curry crazy. Little helicopter on my head That's, over and over while yeah. I'm cooking. Cameron's right. That's close to Ann Curry crazy, but now conduct an interview. <laughs> <laughs> Be that way, but host the Today Show. <laughs> With Aaron trying to land a helicopter on your head. Just I got to just say, I got to say, I'm sure she's a nice lady. I don't want to get pushed back on this. I'm sure she's lovely. I've already done it, haven't I? Who yeah. cares? Yeah. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. I love her, though, for the record. Eddie, your offensive streak has continued to yet another episode. Yeah, yeah, we had a real good week last week, didn't we? <laughs> Whatever. I'm not talking about that, lady. <laughs> Some, so Eddie is the one person on our on our team who who checks the Twitter feed and responds to people. And I decided at the beginning, how am I going to interact? I'm not going to do the the website page. I'm not, I'm just what am I going to check consistently to try to be a good friend? And I checked Twitter. Yeah. And somebody said, <laughs> somebody said, I'm listening to the podcast right now. And in light of, you know, what's happening in Baltimore, I think Eddie's um, insensitive racial emoji usage yeah. is offensive. Yeah. And Eddie took her to task. No, no. I responded. You said one response. <laughs> and I don't remember what it was. It was a drop the mic response, though. <laughs> like, you're crazy. You're Ann no, Curry crazy. No, no, I didn't call her crazy. It was basically, <laughs> oh, <no>. I bet. <laughs> Well, it was, there were like three drafts. The first two were not good because I uh, I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> three drafts. Well, but you like a version. Usually, of it. you and I text the drafts. Back I know. And forth before no, you post Sha- them. Shauna has been helpful because there's been a few times that I've been like, "Hey, can I say this?" She's like, "That's actually times. that's actually publicly shaming." So why don't you try this? And I'm like, "Okay, how about this?" She's like, "That's actually hurtful." So why don't you try this? <laughs> Eddie, to be fair, the only part of her that I felt like was out of line. Is when she said that in light of Baltimore is offensive. It was just offensive. Oh, I actually think the part that bothered me the most, and this is why I'm just a terrible person, was when she said it wasn't funny. I'm like, oh no, it was funny. Don't tell me what's not funny. <laughs> like you can say a lot of things about me. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it could be. It could be downright. You can you call know. call me racially insensitive all day long, but not funny. Well, that just hurt. <laughs> that just hurt. But anyhow, I thought That's it was uncalled for. Yeah, I think it was just taking a little too seriously. Have you, have you guys read the John Ronson book? So you've been publicly shamed? No. Uh, yeah, I, re- I read a couple of interviews. I, I listened to some interviews with him. I, li- I read the Mark Ronson book called Uptown Funk. It was such <laughs> right. a good book. Let's talk about that right. book. A little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's fascinating. And just for anybody that spends a fair amount of their time getting criticized on the internet, say publicly it's shamed. Yeah. so good. Really? Yeah. So what's yeah, what's the takeaway? Give us the cliffs notes. What well, should what should I not have done? <laughs> some of what he's saying is so there used to be actual public shamings, like as a part of our, you know, like, like we used to do that, like, like Scarlet Letter, that kind of thing. Floggings and 
lynchings. Right. And, and um, it didn't fall out of fashion because it was ineffective. It fell out of fashion because it was so profoundly effective. Essentially, it like kind of broke people psychologically. Mm. Um, that there's something about being publicly shamed that 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 uh, the kind of the psyche can't handle. So we stopped doing it, and now everybody with a Twitter account has the capacity to do it again. And it's like a it's like an overpowered weapon that where we don't fully understand what it's capable of destroying. Mm. And so we are kind of um, clumsily wielding all this power and we have the capacity to really destroy people and we haven't figured out how to use it in constructive ways yet. And so it goes through all these different examples of people whose, whose lives have been really affected in such negative ways because um, people think the, the power of Twitter or the power of the internet is a helpful tool for judgment, but it's a really destructive kind of overpowered weapon. Shauna, did he share the anecdote about how it came to be a topic of interest when I watched the video? Basically, he there was these professors who created this algorithm to automate tweets, and it took on his persona. And so he got offended that someone was impersonating online and he posted this YouTube confrontation of them and which I, I watched, which was really fascinating. But he was saying that the initial feeling of satisfaction of like calling out someone who you feel like has perpetrated an injustice against you is so strong. But then he saw like in the comments, people were like, these people deserve to die. They're terrible. And how it can just spiral out of control so quickly. Totally. It was so fascinating because they were essentially saying to him, they were like, why? What is it that we're saying that sounds not like you? We've we've essentially created a more you than you internet identity. So you can't really argue with what we've done. But then, yeah, so he felt like uh, yeah, that that initial rush of power and then that deep sense of like, whoa, this can get out of control so quickly. Okay, here's my question about that, though, because with this feedback comment, like it actually did actually hurt, <laughs> you know, and I, yeah. I did my one response, then she responded some more, and then I just decided I'm not going to respond because this is like going to be a conversation versus, but there there is part of it that's like, I wish you just emailed me personally. Mm. Like, I've got a website. Anybody can email me. I'm full of open access, but... And she didn't I, do at... Your name, she said, uh, public to her platform, right. and tagged your name, right? And so it's like it's like she was announcing, well, condemning you to her followers. And part of her response was also like, "Did anybody else see this?" Like it was like, "Okay, we're gonna get." And I was just like, "I'm not gonna respond to this because it's gonna turn into a thing." But but part of it though is like, okay, I wish it had been personal because if I got an email that said, "Hey, this, 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 this," I would have responded personally. It's the public aspect of it, but. Also, I have this public mi microphone where I'm not speaking to everyone personally. I'm just saying whatever I want and how yeah, many. Yeah, Ann Curry's crazy, <laughs> right? Like I'm going to hear from Ann Curry, and I should. Like I feel like what public responsibility do I have? Do we have putting things out publicly that we should be replied to publicly? Does that make sense? Well, I think it's twofold. It's that we all have you know hyper amplification of of all of our thoughts. So like. You know, I, well, there's another example from John Ronson, that woman who was on a flight to South Africa, and she posted like a tongue-in-cheek tweet that was very offensive, especially if you read it for face value. But she was trying to point out the absurdity of white privilege, and ultimately that it was grossly misinterpreted, probably you know largely her fault. But people had this sense of righteous justice of like, mm. I'm calling out someone for being ignorant. Yeah. And it feels good. And and Eddie, not to say that you are being ignorant, but I think there's this impulse to say someone's doing something offensive, offensive, they need to be called out for that. 
But at, at some point, it just like where does that impulse come from? Why do we feel like we have to call people out on every transgression, large or small, even mm-hmm. if it's public? Mm-hmm. And I tend to always come back to uh, kind of the relationship side of it. Like I have a couple friends who. Any, this happened fairly recently. I posted something on Twitter that I thought was funny. And I got an email right away from a friend who I've known for probably 20 years. And he said, Hey, I love you. And this sounds like this to me. And I don't think you're that kind of person. What do you, maybe take it down. And I took it down immediately because I trust him because we have a relationship because he came to me privately. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. I think, um, but it feels really different to me when it's kind of that, um, I'm using this to illustrate a point about my agenda or my set of priorities. And I don't care what happens to you in the process. Very interesting thing. That being said, I also feel like I err way too much on the side of just like, I know me, I know the depths of me. I know like, like I could not be less racist. Like I don't know how to say that. Like I think every like you know like this is just not a part of who I am. And I like being just funny. And so because of that, I'm like, oh, I can just I just said it on the show last week, and it seemed like completely nothing to me. But then you realize, funny if someone doesn't really know me or trust me, mm-hmm. which why would they? I mean, I'm just like a guy on a show, right? Like they don't really know me and trust me. That why wouldn't that seem somewhat offensive? And so there's part of it that's like, okay, I don't like the method by which it was responded to, but I also get that it's like I can't just rest on. You know, well, I knew my intentions. Well, that doesn't matter. It's mm. you're still you're, your intentions work when you're having a conversation like with your friend or your wife because they know you and you get sort of that backstory. This is just you're almost approaching everybody with a clean slate. It's mm. interesting to think about. It was it was good feedback, even though I did not like it. It almost started a Twitter <laughs> yeah. war. Well, well, it's like I mean, look at what happened to Trevor Noah. Is that his name? The, yeah, the young yeah. guy who I was just, just got about that named the host of The Daily Show. Right. You know, people immediately started mining his Twitter feed and saw some things that, yeah, are, uh, you know, offensive to some groups. And I'm not I'm not making my own judgments about his jokes and or, or you know, whether how offensive they are or are not. But we live in an era where everything you say, people are going to strip it from its context you know, whether or not the context justifies it or not. And you just have to be hyper aware of that, especially if you're saying something publicly. Still though. <laughs> I, was, I was pooped. <laughs> yes, you were. Yes, you were. Eddie, yeah. Eddie, did you be honest? Did you, not that I'm trying to find humor, but did you, were you like stewing in bed over the, like, I just feel like people's personality differences are, it's a, can be, can be so different, but it like deeply, like that one tweet, like deeply bothered you. Deeply. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell, I'll tell a little but about Eddie is like two or three days later, he's still mm-hmm. thinking about oh, it. Oh yeah. 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 It deeply bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also, <laughs> well, I think it's the nature of it. Like there's been some pushback that I'm just like, Oh, shut your mouth. But the idea like race. I'm like that is that's a family issue. Like we cannot. Yeah, but, especially this week. Yeah. You know? um, but I, yeah, it did. You know. So, but what's a big deal? I said it. I was the idiot that said it. So I should, you know, whatever. It's my fault. <laughs> I feel like Eddie and I would both, yeah, like stay up night after night thinking about. I feel like Jesse would just sleep like a baby. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like Cameron <laughs> would have like an an organized brain. Thing around it like no, no it, it i would personally i would, would bother you but you've made a policy about how you feel about no it. i would respond to the person like like show them that they're wrong and then i would never think about it again i yeah. would sleep well the hard thing with that is i really you can shut this down at any point because we're getting deep into it now <laughs> but like the hard part of it is is that like i want to be i feel like i can as like uh 
is kind of using the counselor brain kind of dismiss it being like there's probably an emotional reaction to what is happening in Baltimore they're trying to attach things to that that probably aren't because of that and I would bet that they don't really believe that I'm but then I'm still like there's still an actual person in the planet that may think I'm a racist and that to me is just unthinkable and I can't the the logical one doesn't yeah. outweigh the one that the other one yeah I, I can't I can't make that then it, it amazes me that you that you were a pastor because no. oh, it destroyed me. Because people would have opinions would, about the I, church because of you, or it, opinions it would, about the service, or no. ministry and church and eternity because of you. It is probably what will make me never go back to that role again. Even though really? I really, even though I love it so much, I would probably. I it was being a pastor. I, I, I loved being a pastor, and I loved the opportunity. But the personal criticism that was directly related to their either their their family's well-being or their well-being or how they viewed God even if they're not right even if they're putting too much on a pastor and I can tell I know that it's them laying their junk on me even though I know that I still I, I still never got past it it was I'm just surprised too much. you can do I'm surprised you can do stuff in some capacity online you know, that like a podcast or, or have a public yeah, Twitter persona am, or write, yeah. because I feel like it's only amplified in this space versus. I am too. But, but <laughs> to be honest, but, I mean, very early, you oh, know, yeah. I was like, please, please, please don't read the comments <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah. You know, because if you read the comments and they're just gushing and they love you, you'll no. get a wrong sense of yourself. And if yeah. you read the comments and they're destroying you, you'll get a wrong sense of yourself. No. You just can't read the comments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like, Cameron, you have talked me down one million. Like, how many times have I texted you? Like, someone said this about me on the internet. And Cameron's yeah. like, are you reading the comments again? We have <laughs> talked about this. Yeah. Yeah. You've been such a good, like, sane voice talking me down from that stuff. Well, it, I, I, I listen, listen, I ask questions when I'm, you know, I've had the opportunity to become friends with, uh, like people like Rick Warren or, mm-hmm. or get to know people like Rob Bell or different others. Yeah. And I, one of the first things I want to know when we have, cause I don't care about small talk. <laughs> like, oh, we're having dinner. How do you deal with criticism? Yeah. I want to know like how you cope and get up in the morning yeah. because like people are terrible and yeah. they've given me wisdom. Like they've like practical stuff. Like, I mean like yeah. Rick, he's like, you just have to ignore all of it. Yeah. You know, it was the question I didn't ask Rachel Held Evans in the interview a couple weeks ago, but like she gets demolished all the time, publicly, like constantly. I mean, she is the punching bag right well, now. Well, she likes poking the bear. I know, but yeah. like, and the bear you, roars back sometimes. I, do. I am shocked. But how does at she do how it? people respond to her? It's yeah. so yeah. far over the line. And you're right; she is a little more. Um, uh, she's asking for it in a way. She, yeah, but still, I. Don't still, want to put work, I no. Well, she's got, yeah. Very often, I send her emails like, "I think you're nice. I'm so sorry. What's happening yeah. to you on the internet?" Yeah. See, Even if I disagree I, with you, you're still a really nice lady. You're doing a good totally. job. I'm proud of you. I, I, I bet I your think hair I looks developed. great today. I don't know. Like, just I cannot believe how people treat her. That's true. Yeah. I, I think I've developed an equally unhealthy reaction to it, which is I, I just it just like I find it genuinely funny, and like for some reason, knowing that someone's upset about something that I said. Like I, I like I said, this is probably just as bad and terrible, but it really makes me laugh. Like the, I remember the first time <laughs> it was back when we first started the podcast, and Cameron, you said that we got an email that I had offended the bald. The like, bald, the, yeah, of was course. The first demographic that, and I remember we've thinking, gone systematically down the list and offended yeah, pretty much have, every category of people since then. Almost, yeah, but that left. was the first. The one bald, I the bald offended. was the first one. Yeah, back, deep the in the archives. Yeah. Yeah, and I remember thinking, this is kind of funny. Like, there's a bald guy out there who was genuinely offended by something, and I should feel bad, but I just think it's kind of funny. Yeah, 
Um, Tyler said the most helpful thing one time. Well, it, it, there was a long, one of the articles was doing well, I guess, meaning people were just commenting and they were just demolishing it. And Tyler, before I even had a chance to ask him, he just texted me and was like, at least they're talking. And I'm like, you know what? That's a good point. Yeah. At least we're having the conversation. At least someone cares enough to talk about it. Right, yeah. right, right. Well, the problem with internet commenters is they usually don't read the thing. They'll read the headline now that and, is true. and they'll just <laughs> spout stuff. And it's right. like, did you read? I'm agreeing with you. You know, anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, I have no transition here. No, it's a good counseling, but... good counseling sesh for me. Another nice counseling session on the podcast. Uh, I had two things I wanted Super to bring hard. up this this morning, and it was uh, before slices, and it was uh, Nick Walenda. Yep. And, and we have a Joe the Neighbor update, but, but I'm going to save that for feedback. So we have a Joe the Neighbor update coming okay. up later. Uh, it's time for entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, May 5th. Best Coast is releasing California Nights. I'm assuming that they're... Uh, Assuming yeah. California is the best coast. Yeah, that's yeah. the left coast. Yeah. Uh, Django Django is coming out with Born Under Saturn. Anne Berlin is releasing Never Take Friendship Personal. It's a live album from New York City. Did mm. uh, John David Snaley perked up? He's a big Anne Berlin fan, I no, guess. No, I was confused. <laughs> Why? How many, how many like, well, farewell done. tours do they have to go on? <laughs> yeah. Um, this was apparently a recording from their farewell tour, so this is apparently their farewell album. I don't know. Uh, My Morning Jacket's coming out with The Waterfall. Oh, I love them. N- not to be uh, confused with TLC's Waterfalls. Love them, too. Um, I'd buy both. Ivan and Isla Yosha is coming out with It's All Just Pretend. Uh, they're featured in the new issue of Relevant, uh, the fantastic group. Plum, remember her? Yeah. Plum's coming out with Exhale. I said, yeah, I don't. You don't remember Plum? Nah. CCM from the oh, 90s? Oh, I remember Plum. Yeah, yeah. Tiffany Arbuckle. No, no. Yeah. No. yeah. Coming out with Exhale. And uh, Mumford and Sons, oh. the, uh, the, the reinvention album, yeah. uh, Wilder Mind, is coming out. How do you reinvent yourself? I just don't get that. I feel like you've been doing a thing for so long. Then you put out an album, then all of a sudden you switch directions. It's like they put out two albums, and the people got tired of uh, banjos no. and haze. Yeah, I, I feel like their style got appropriated, and so it was time to so move on. fast and so widely, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, of Monsters and Men would be one of the bands, the Hay bands, you know, that, that yeah. appropriated their sound. Uh, they're releasing a new album uh, soon, and also totally new sound. Um, I guess it's still like, singable and all that, but just modern, more guitar. Yeah. L- less I guess faulty. I should think of it more as like they're progressing. They're like they just continue to grow as artists. I mean, relevance different than it was ten years ago. Yeah, Hope. I guess every, okay. Well, progressing, right? Okay. Progressing. Great. So Mumford and Sons is progressing with Wilder Mind. Good job, Mumford and Sons. Yeah. We're proud of you. Movie releases coming out on Friday, May eighth. Uh, Hot Pursuit: Reese Witherspoon and Sophia Vergara. Uh, oh, like uh, a, buddy, a, bu- a buddy comedy? Yeah, a by-the-book cop, Reese Witherspoon, uh, tries to protect the widow, Sofia oh, Vergara, yeah. of a drug boss as oh. they race through Texas, pursued by crooked cops and murderous gunmen. <laughs> oh, boy. That is silly. It's... Ba- <laughs> 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 it's basically uh, what's that? The two two women it's and like the, everything. It's uh, like what? A convertible over the cliff. I don't. Louise. Thelma and Louise. It's Thelma I mean, Louise. I mean, it's it's like that in that in it's the two sense women. that there are two women. And they're sure. in Texas. I never saw Thelma and Louise. I and assume it's may, the same. You they may both be no. in a you, vehicle at some point. You're going to see Thelma and Louise and have a little re- regret at that. Not having any gender trouble with that last comment. Why? Why would I see Thelma and Louise? It's a movie about two ladies. It's a good movie. Young Brad Pitt is in it. When am I going to be in the mood to see Thelma and Louise if I've gone this? long without ever getting into that mood. I don't know, man. You watched all of Alf Relevant during, Christmas party. during Dark Cameron. Relevant Christmas party. Yeah, that's true. During Sad Cameron, you watched Alf. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also coming out, Saint Laurent. Uh, it's it's a, a biopic that, about Yves Saint Laurent. Is um, that correct pronunciation, uh, Shauna? Saint Laurent. 
Yeah. Saint Laurent. It's, it's the, the fashion brand. No, I know. The, the designer. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Yeah. I can't that's wait. coming out. And uh, Brave Town, uh, Josh Duhamel and Laura Dern. It's uh, uh, Josh Harvest, a hardened New York City teen from a broken home and quietly one of the country's top dance club DJs and remixers. Quietly? One yeah. of the country's top dance club? Like, how could you quietly be that? That seems, that seems like an oxymoron. Is to sentenced right? to counseling for a minor drug infraction along with an extended stay oh. with his estranged father who lives in a small town Perfect. in North Dakota. Perfect. And who's the Count, they're got a who's the counselor? Do I, don't, I don't have the full cast. Yeah, listing, but that's but there's of be course perfect. a counselor. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a. Is Laura Dern the counselor? Is that what you said? Maybe. Yeah, maybe Laura Dern. Did you guys see Wild? Not yet. No. I, have, I bought it on iTunes, but I haven't watched it yet. Brie rented it last night, but I was sick, so she watched I it. Was loved it good? It. I heard I there totally was nudity. Loved it, and I thought Laura Dern was fabulous. I heard there was nudity, and so I haven't watched it. You don't watch movies with nudity? I try not to. It's good for you. I'm 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 an alone Christian man. I probably shouldn't be you know cuddling up with a nudie film. God, I, I don't know that we would call Wild a nudie film. It's so funny to like the way you said it. I'm like, I totally agree, but then it still feels weird that you wouldn't watch Wild. Well, no, but, it's not that I won't watch it. I was just like, I bought it, and then somebody told me, like, you know, Reese Witherspoon's naked in it. You know, it. this and is so one of those nudie films. Well, it's like I watch these things on my iPad on flights, and so it's like I don't want to be like the guy watching. Now that is weird, right? You know, you're, 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 I downloaded the whole first season of Girls. To watch on a flight. Oh, no, 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 Dear no, Lord. no, 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 I no, no. I haven't even watched that, but I know I wouldn't it, watch were, were that. Were you like awkwardly positioning your iPad like at different moments? Like, <laughs> like oh, under I the just, seat. Like, ah, what, is, what have I done? It was terrible. <laughs> like you make a little shield of sky balls, RIP, around your uh, iPad. Uh, I had to make it like a little tent. I'd ask for a blanket. Hey, guys. That's really yeah. funny, Shauna. It's <laughs> oh, a bad plan. All right. Well, that'll do it for entertainment releases and your Nick Linda disappointment update. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. Listening to GTA. The song is Red Lips, featuring Sam Bruno from the album DTG Volume One. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard the bots with Blinded from the album Pink Palms. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, so I I have the story of some hapless criminals in Alaska. Mm. Uh, so so first off, if you're if you're an enterprising young criminal mastermind, I may make the suggestion that stealing a crate of pizzas, five cases of frozen pizza valued at $1,000, probably isn't the best uh, risk to, 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 to undertake in, your, in, in one of your heists. But that's exactly what a couple 20-somethings did. They broke into a warehouse and stole five cases of frozen pizza. Total value, $1,100. Was it just a normal, unair-conditioned, uninsulated warehouse? And so, therefore, because it's Alaska, it was frozen pizzas? Were they, what, yeah, by warehouse, question. they could have just been shed. It was just a shed out back. They don't need, they don't need freezers out there. Right. That's uh, one of the main benefits. It's one of the perks. You know how much money you save by not having a freezer? 
<laughs> you literally just chuck stuff out the back door and go walk around your backyard when you get hungry. It's like yeah. the mailman. I, I, I think your Florida is showing right now. <laughs> <laughs> So so not only did they did they steal a product and it wasn't like they stole it with just they were hungry because right. I could see that I could see like we're just really hungry I think these five cases of pizza that doesn't make it right, right. but it makes it a little bit more logical Yeah the, the ethical dilemma would you steal a loaf of bread to feed your family you're saying it's not that no, no, and, and, and I'm not, and I'm saying like their intent on this wasn't just to acquire frozen pizzas. It was ultimately to make money from the heist. So it seems like stealing five crates of frozen pizza wasn't the best idea. May, well, uh, maybe up there, pizzas at a premium, and that's like gold. I mean, maybe they, it's so valuable and rare. Well, they actually say in the story, <laughs> the pieces were valued at thirteen seventy five per pizza, which I guess is a little expensive for a frozen pizza, yeah. but it's not outrageous. Yeah, I think it's outrageous. Yeah, it's pretty outrageous. It's we got double. all that gas and fuel to get it up there. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, well, either so, either way, they're looking at inflated pizza prices. They have this pizza, which is almost worth it's worth double the value of what like a DiGiorno's worth. In the lower 48, evidently. So now they have to decide, how do we sell these pizzas to make money from our heist? They decided to call. Like, they were like, who would be hungry right now? Like, it's it's mid-morning. Who can we call that they might have had people on the clock that would be working that would really want some frozen pizza? They called the police department to, to try to determine if any, any officers on duty wanted some frozen pizza. What? They w- and they said, we have a great deal. We will sell your officers some frozen pizzas. I, I got to say also, just before we continue on with this, as I was looking through slices, I f- saw this one and thought, now that'll be Jesse's. <laughs> you kidding. just Oh, of course. You just know. When somebody steals pizza and tries to sell it to the police, <laughs> Jesse's, Jesse's, on, Jesse's on that beat. So Sadly I had to move on. these criminals, a massive heist had been reported earlier that morning from a pizza company who had five cases of pizza <laughs> amazing <laughs> the, 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 the uh i don't have the details of how the arrest uh were, were actually went down but i can't help but think that the police were like sure bring the pizzas on down <laughs> oh my goodness the no, moral of the story is it's wrong to steal pizza correct but it's just dumb to try to resell it to police officer if you end up in a heist like let's say you get dragged along a heist right which is a sure. pizza heist. Yeah, it can happen. Yeah. yeah. Just take just take your cut of the of the bounty right. in pizza and just pay yourself in pizza. Probably not a good thing to try to sell on the well, other. Let, let's just brainstorm some possible places that would be better to try to sell <laughs> yeah. the, the stolen pizzas than the police station. Than on-duty police officers. All would, the places. I would say all anywhere. All the places there are in the whole world. But would be better than the police it's station. better than the police but station. But it's rural Alaska. They can't. Uh, they can't go around door to door. So, what's the one thing in the town? You know, well, there's the police station. There's a there's library, at least half a, a dozen public school, the fire station, the just post this, office. The I mean, street. I'm not even a criminal. And well, I, just, I have a lot of ideas. They're customers of Stamps.com up there, so they don't go. The, the post office is empty. But, they don't even need to. But it, it seems more like a crime of opportunity. It doesn't seem like something like like th- th- that. That one guy was like on his computer one night, and he's like, "It's time to assemble the team." And he's no. got like the, it's not like the, Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, where he's got. He's got like the nimble guy who's going to make his way in. He's got the hacker who's going to hack the security system of the warehouse. He's got the van driver. This seems like a couple guys were walking along and the the warehouse left the back door open or something. I never saw that because it was a nudie movie, though. 
No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was very good. You can watch it on a plane. Um, the, yeah, but but five crates. Then I mean, there had to have been some premeditated. Maybe he worked there or something. I mean, that's just like that's a lot you're of pizza. Saying, you're to saying move. this was an inside job. <laughs> I'm saying five crates isn't like we're walking down the street and like oh, I'm going to swipe a couple of pizzas. But but Cameron, don't you think if you were if you worked at a factory, a pizza factory. Or warehouse or whatever. Just There's imagine more that. more valuable things. If and you're like, you know, I'm gonna take this place down. Like, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell stuff and move to the Bahamas or Mexico. I'm gonna move out of Alaska with with one last heist. I'm gonna get the band back together. And we're gonna do one last run. You think the most valuable thing you find in the whole warehouse is five crates of pizza? Maybe. Yeah. Well, their names were Ron and Danny DiGiorno, and that's all they. That's that's where their minds that's went. All they know. They just love pizza. Yeah. The, the, I was say, like, at least take the forklift or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's like, a great like that, point. The pizzas are probably the least valuable thing in that warehouse. I, yeah, that's true. I do love this. Well, not if they're thirteen seventy-five each. My goodness. Yeah, that's that's printing money right there. Yeah, but you know how yeah. long it takes to get some of those things up to Alaska? Like whatever they use in pizza, you know, wheat. They don't have wheat in Alaska. Oh, they yeah. got to bring it all the way yeah. in. This is a like they have no natural resources and the food mm-hmm. variety. No. You want a moose? So, you want a moose pizza? Yeah. Oh yeah, you they got that. that. That's that's the salmon cheap. pizza. Sure, they're yeah, giving it away. Yeah, you can just yeah. have it. But if so, you want, yeah. So you're Eddie. You're saying it's like a game of Settlers of Catan, where one guy <laughs> ended up with all the ore, and it's just way inflated. That's the Alaska pizza situation. Like I'll take six sheep for one of those ore. That is an in the nerd weeds joke, but <laughs> well done. <laughs> I stand by it. I know you do. You ever played Settler Shauna? No, no. Oh, it's I, so I, fun. No, I'm not a game person. It's one of the what? worst parts. I have a couple like serious personality flaws, and that's one of them. I, no, I hate playing games. We gotta, can I derail everything for a second? Why would? How can you not be a game person? I'm you, not competitive in any way. Me neither. And I would just rather sit next to the people who are playing games and read magazines, I, I, which I do. But what My about, husband loves to play Monopoly, and I just sit next to him and read magazines because he trash talks a lot. I don't like being yelled at. And, and I, I am profoundly non-competitive. Like, it just doesn't matter to me in any way. But what about the strategic part of your mind that wants to like buy buy orm have the longest road and do all those kinds what about, of what about the part of your mind that wants to do recreational commodities trading how is that urge ever satisfied if you're not playing satisfied no part trading? of my mind wants to do imaginary commodities trading mm-hmm. i don't want to buy imaginary hotels i don't like none of it i just i don't like animated movies i don't like it when animals talk and i don't like to play games i'm i know it's those are like terrible things how do you parent that, know, is, that is that is basically parenting. Me. I know. Play games know. with your kids and they can watch the, the, the Disney movies. Well, I watch them now with them, okay. but I would never prefer to see an animal talk. I okay. just, it bothers me. Right. Cameron, do you play Settlers of Catan? I've never played it. I'm not, I'm, I I have nerdy friends who do play it, but I... I guess um, me and Jess. Not just for nerds. Not yeah. just for nerds. Yeah, it's not just for nerds. <laughs> I'm not invited to the nerd parties, so... It's really fun to play. My strategy is always to build the longest road. Oh, absolutely. And I will threaten someone. I will say, if you build a settlement there, you know I've been working on this road the whole game. We're not friends. Did you get the, ex- <laughs> do you have the expansion packs? No, that's that's way too nerdy. No, 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 no. That changes the ball game. That's next level. I'm actually sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Settlers is really fun. So, so either way, don't sell, pe- don't steal pizza. And hey, the maybe next relevant podcast party, we have a game night at our at our house. And fun. we watch Thelma and Louise. And we watch Thelma and Louise. We're already planning the Christmas party. I like it. It's gonna be so epic this year. Eddie can do some edgy racial humor, and then we'll critique it. I now crumble at your feedback. Yeah, we'll critique your emoji jokes. And Brianna will slowly talk me back to life as she has so many times before. <laughs> All right, what do you have, Shauna? Uh, well, Jesse and I did not plan this, uh, but I also 
have chosen a slice that is primarily about crime and food. Um, and so this is the question. Let's say, imagine with me, you have broken into someone's home. Okay. What's the first thing you do? Oh, uh, burn the house down. Use the restroom. All right. I, I, I stuff, I stuff <laughs> things in the sink and turn them off like wet with my pants. <laughs> what did you Just, say? What would you do? Jesse, what did you say? Oh, I would stuff uh, uh, old towels in the sink and turn, turn them all on like the wet bandits. Good point. <laughs> they, they, won't, they will think it's very unpleasant that the house is funny, but they're like, hey, look, this robber dropped a Home Alone reference here. I would really like, I'd like to see if they have an Xbox uh, 2 or the new PlayStation. I think I'd, that's, I'd try to steal that. I'd, I'd grab their mail and throw it in random rooms. Yes. Oh. So that they, they think that, it, that's a good one. Yeah. So this particular burglar... In Petaluma, California. Petaluma. Had a, kind of a two-step approach. Number one, make some tater tots. Uh, Number two, <laughs> take a nap. That is it. So this guy just wanted this to is, chill. Okay, this, this guy, guy was, was in for the long this guy, time. This guy was high. I yeah. mean, there's no yeah. way he no, wasn't high. know what happens after those two things in his plan. Right. Step one, tater tots. I'm not, Step two, nap. That guy just was tired. He doesn't need to steal stuff. He just needs a nap. Yeah. He had the munchies. Some tater. He did. Well, uh, clearly, he was crazy crazy he was ann curry crazy well that's a different kind of premeditation too i feel like if your crime involves preheating an oven perfect (laughs) it's clearly premeditation in the court of law quote that forever if your crime involves preheating (laughs) (laughs) that's in the legal textbooks right like the definition that's first degree premeditation yeah it's not like he it's not like he saw like a cake on the counter yeah Yeah. that's a mandatory that, that, that that's a crime of passion and impulse Check the freezer. What yeah. temp do I preheat? Yeah. Is there yeah. ketchup? Yeah, I mean, read, there's a lot going on. Yeah, here, he so. read the instructions. And what did he do for the 14 minutes while the oven was heating? Right. You just. Who even knows? Yeah, you just wait. Because you cannot stand there in front of the oven while it's preheating or it'll yeah, never he's preheat. Looking at you the side got of the tater top box. And he's like, ooh, 12 to 15, depending on how crispy. I do like them crispy. I'm going to have to go 15 here. Yeah, I do. Right. You cannot. That's always, that's the Sophie's choice of frozen pizzas, isn't it? Do I put it on the pan or do I just keep it on the rack? You keep in. I don't want to let too much heat out, but I can peek in. But I want it crispy, but I know I'm also just playing with death here because I'm about to burn it. Yeah, is it gooey or golden? I don't know. I'm closing it back up. I that line. Super hot, right on the the oven little thing. Absolutely. You have to. So, this is what's interesting also about the story is the people who live in the home were home. What in God's green earth? So a woman comes downstairs and sees a man sleeping on her couch. And somehow I'm imagining like the, the remains of the tater tot snack. Yeah. Tater crumbs. Yeah. I don't know if there's ketchup, maybe paper plate dishes. I don't know. But so she runs out of the house. Okay. Calls the police. And then the police come, wake him up, and remove him. Well, it's good they came because they were in the middle of a pizza party. Yeah, they were just... <laughs> They're like, oh, man, do we have to? We're, we're just we got a like, great five. deal on all these DiGiorno's. Dude, I just scored five cases of pizza for like a $2 off, man. <laughs> you are really, it's the same day that warehouse got robbed. Weird. Oh my goodness! When I heard about that warehouse robbery, you know, I kind of got hungry for pizza. <laughs> so, so, so the police came and arrested the the napping tater tot bandit. His crime was assuming just breaking and entering because he didn't steal anything. 
Well, he has a a history. He has a criminal history, so he's being held uh, for thirty thousand dollars bail because he had some drug and weapons possession. Which is uh, why his his fr- why his friends were right. trying to raise the bail money by stealing pizzas. It all comes full circle. Yeah, hey, hey, Jim, you remember Jim? He's the guy. He's part of our gang, the heist gang. <laughs> Listen, he got locked up for some tater tots. I think we need. I think we need an old fashioned pizza heist. <laughs> <laughs> to raise bail money, I, I only need four hundred crates of pizza to cover it. Did you call their their crew the heist gang? Is that the, the best gang. the best it's, name you could come up with? I will say this. I will say this. The name is part of what gave them away. The police officer because <laughs> they put it right on the side of the van. Do you have to buy some pizza from my friends, the heist gang? <laughs> I'm racking my brain trying to think of a better name for somebody that steals tater tots or pizza. There's some. There's a joke out there, isn't there? I just can't find it. Uh, Let's just give it a minute. That Jesse and I are apparently just right there, just yeah. brain so connected. Like, you know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about crimes and snacks. Yeah, it says a lot about our society that this is happening in multiple states. Dude, it know? totally does. It's it's a, it's a national interstate epidemic. That's true. All right, what do you have, Eddie? Well, mine doesn't have anything to do with uh, crime or snacks, but I wish it did, uh, did because I really want one of those bagel bites now. When was the last time you had a bagel bite? I have them in my freezer. God, are they good. So I, good. I'm vegan. I'm going to break into Cameron's house. And <laughs> yeah. make you know, you know how the heist gang, they, they, they don't they don't want to leave their the, fingerprints behind? You know what they use? Still going with the heist gang. Keep going. <laughs> when they break in, it's like, you know, some guys have like the... The, the black gloves or, or whatever. They have, just have oven mitts. <laughs> the tots, man. They're just ready to go. Don't leave any fingerprints behind. Yeah, I, I had a Friday night uh, not all that long ago where I realized uh, I, all I had eaten for dinner was uh, pans of bagel bites. And so I kind of reevaluated life after I that. Guess, I guess so, but plural, then also... Plural pans. Oh, yeah. So good, right? It's good every once in a while. Yeah. It's not like you're... Until you go back and go, I wonder... What I just did to myself. Let me look at the nutritional information on the side of the box yeah. after the fact. Yeah, you feel really bad about. Yeah, yourself. I've been I've been doing this thing. This called it's called My Fitness Pal. It's like this app where yeah, you yeah. enter in everything, and yeah. it's been super interesting. But I'm always shocked at like, oh well, a bagel bite. That's eighteen thousand calories. Yeah. Or something. yeah, just like that stuff that you're like, oh, just like the uh, the pre dinner snacking. You know, like the snacking you do while you're eating? No, no, you, no, no, you what do. Are you are you, Kevin James on King of Queens famously would stop on his way home Funny. to grab a Whopper, and he was like pre-mealing. No, I'm just talking yeah. about like you're mixing everything up and you like take a bite of the oh, whole oh, thing. Oh, like while you're cooking. Yeah, See, yeah. I don't do that. So like I don't, that was a whole... Yeah. You don't do that. You don't cook? <laughs> I don't cook. So well, oh. If I post a picture of like a dinner party, Cameron will text me like, I am having... Pizza rolls. Yeah, I do. <laughs> My freezer is jam packed because that's all I eat. Because I, I can do. pop it in the microwave or the uh, you should oven. you should start. Eddie, you, you you realize pre mealing for Cameron would be taking a bite of a frozen pizza, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Right? It's actually just having like a couple ice cubes. Cameron when he I, opens the freezer. Like, I, mm. I do want you to take though one of the Shauna Instagram pictures though. The next time you do that, where it's just like a plate of your in, like your uh, bagel bite <laughs> and like a diet Pepsi, but take it from above and beautiful <laughs> and just and I'll awesome. have the napkin perfectly placed. With your perfect, with your perfect little shoes, and, and, and I'll and I'll do a side by side with Shauna's identical, identically framed. <laughs> we we got to do that. See, yeah. mine would just be like it would. They would be on top of like a greasy paper towel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you're not even lying. It's still just kind of in the glass plate yeah. that comes out of the microwave. That's really hot still. But you're like, oh, I'll just keep yeah. It I don't on put it on plates. What I'll do is I, I you know the pan is there, and I'll I'll take them and I'll slide them onto like a cutting board. Yeah, and I'll just eat off the cutting board. I'll take the cutting board into the. There are a lot room. of restaurants though that they. 
my feet food. up, put on the game, and I'm and I'm just chowing on bagel bites and my big old diet coke. I have the, the dream. The souvenir cup from the Magic Games, no, the I huge know. ones. I that's know. all I drink out of because they're huge. They're like movie theater cups, you know. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, so. and that's 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 called being a bachelor yeah. in your late thirties. You be you, homie. You be you. <laughs> Well, let's. I, mean, I think that's really ageless bachelor behavior. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> your late thirties have anything to do with it? I think it's just yeah. Because I mean, there's twenty year old guys listening to this, and there's sixty five year old guys listening to this right now, going like, yep. "Yeah, dude, yep. that yep. is that oh, is." When my the... mom goes out of town, I just I, I fear for what happens nutritionally for my dad, and so I just invite him over as often as possible and just slide vegetables across the countertop, like just a little bit, just try, just a little bit. Just all... Dana, Dana went out of town uh, a few weeks ago, and I've been trying to eat healthy, believe it or not. Uh, well, healthier. I still eat pretty terrible. But I ate a salad, but I just ate it right out of the bag with my bare hands. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. I just bag, Absolutely. I, I got out a bowl and salad dressing and stuff, and I was like, you know, I don't want to have to clean up. I literally just put my hand in there and just Absolutely. started eating it. And then when I was done, I rolled up. What's that? Did you put dressing in the bag? No, I just I just took my hand and I just decided just to make it I fill my stomach as quickly as possible with as little effort as possible. So so I mean you could have like done the mixture of the dressing and the salad in your mouth. Like I've done that where you put something in and then you put the other ingredient in yeah. and just it's in the bite. You yeah. know what? That needs to be a reality show because like JD and Cameron and I are listening to all of this and we're like, no, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If I was alone, this is absolutely what we would do. Because it was like, because the dressing, I, my mind was like, you know, I'm not going to enjoy this meal anyway. It's yeah. simply to satisfy hunger it is and, functional. and nutritional yeah. value. Why not just go as minimal effort as possible? And that means ripping open this bag, shoving my hand yeah. in there, and seeing how much I can get my mouth. Jesse, in. this like, is this is. I mean, maybe it's sad to some people. This is just my reality. I'm fine with it. It's my choice. I uh, I can't tell you how many meals I've had where I just would take out the pack of bologna slices. Certainly. And uh, I would take a slice of bologna in right. my in my hand and uh-huh. take a, the mustard in my other hand, right. squirt a line down the middle, right. roll it up, perfect, like a hot dog. Standing at the counter, three of those. No hunger. I'm I done. do that done. all the time, and I don't. I literally no the first time Cameron told me that. A, I almost wept, and B, I was like, I'm, I'm going to need you to move to Chicago <laughs> next door and start coming over for dinner because but, this troubles me. I'm telling but, you, but, we all do that, and your boys will, and your husband does. Every single one it. of us. <laughs> like when I when I, when I'm alone, when I'm home alone. If I want to have like a fancy dinner, and I'm talking about like I'm going to put some effort into this, I'll take the the sub out of the bag and put it on an actual plate. That's as far as it'll yeah, get that's for like. Way, that's yeah, why? Way but now you have clean the plate. I know, but do that? I don't know why I would do that. But that's like if I'm gonna go fancy, <laughs> like that's but about. Let me ask you this: Have any of you guys been at the place where you eat ramen without water? Yes, I've eaten ramen. Like, yeah, I, I've like, just opened just the ramen and, and yeah. thought about the process of like having to boil Ugh. the water and stuff. And I'm then like, you got to you know clean what? that pot. No, 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 no! You don't do that. What you do is you put the ramen in a coffee pot. And you just do a pot of coffee. The hot water goes into the ramen. Brilliant. You put the thing, no, 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 and then no, no, you no. eat it out of the coffee pot like it's a bowl. There's Brilliant. nothing wrong with I, I'm that. I'm telling Shana. you, I've been at the point in my life where that seems like too much effort. Jesse, like I literally just open a, the bag and eat the raw ramen. Putting the ramen in a coffee pot and hitting start is not too much effort. It, 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 for me, at times it is. <laughs> yeah, Sean, I'm telling you, it's a whole world. There's a whole subculture. And it's half of us. <laughs> and it exists all around you. I'm just having, like, you guys are blowing my mind yeah. right now. Yeah. Although, there are tens of thousands of people who thought, I'm going to do ramen like that now. See, totally. it's, it's, I mean, you don't got to boil water. Wait, wait, yeah. wait, explain the ramen to me again. You did it, 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 now, does the coffee, it's no, always going to taste like ramen now, right? 
No, 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 no. The coffee pot. So it's like it's, it's you put it in the in the glass. No, pot co- no coffee grounds are a part. No of coffee this, grounds. Just to be clear. So what you're doing is just you, there's no coffee in the coffee maker. Yeah. It's just the hot water heats the water up, and it you know would normally pass through the grounds, and then the coffee yeah, would go yeah, into yeah. the pot. So there's no coffee involved. So it's just you're hot not water. Noodles in the glass pot. I put the noodles in the glass pot. No, 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 no. And then no, hot no, no. water comes Dumps onto, onto it, it, turning... Nothing ever goes in the glass pot, ever, except coffee, ever. Well, no, no, yeah, coffee, I wash well, coffee, my, coffee and noodles. I wash That's, my coffee read pot. The, and, read the directions. And, yeah, and other things that need to be in hot water. Shona, I've heated... Well, I attempted to make... It didn't turn out well. I attempted to make one time in college because I was just so hungry, and I did not feel... Like the ki- I was on the eighth floor, and the kitchen for the dorm was on the first floor, and it just felt like too much of a... I attempted to make a grilled cheese sandwich on an iron one time. Absolutely. It just burned the outside of the bread, but I still ate it. <laughs> but the, like, there was a guy who won on Top Chef by doing that. Did you see that? No. It's amazing. It was uh, It was like um, they had to cook their whole meal with stuff that they um, in, inside a Target store. And so they could pick like whatever appliances they wanted, but they, you know, they don't have like huge real stoves. And so he made really good grilled cheese sandwiches with an iron. And he said he learned to do it in college. But mine was won. terrible. But Target yeah. has like George Foreman grills and griddles and skillets. Why, why are you doing iron? That's actually a good question. Well, again, George Foreman grill, way too much cleanup. Have oh, you used way, those? way too much. Way too much. Cleanup. Like twice. Terrible. Terrible product. Yeah. I'm very disappointed with the Foremans. Yeah. yeah that, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, for me, all it's of them. more about minimal effort and minimal cleanup. That's the problem with all those things. That and the, um, the waffle iron. Like, if you can't pop the thing out to put it in the dishwasher... Yeah, that's a real pain to clean that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that's terrible. Why yeah. are you making waffles when there's Eggos you just put it in a toaster? Nailed it. Next. <laughs> yeah. Someone's had, made the waffle for me. I all know. I have to do is apply heat. <laughs> I can't tell you how many dinners I've had that were Eggos, and right. all I would do is like they'd pop up, I'd take it out, I'd squirt a little bit mm-hmm. of the, the syrup right directly on it, and now I'd eat it like a piece of toast. Yeah, plates are... No when, plates. When you're just a guy and you're alone, plates are almost a non... I went through all of college with a single coffee cup, no, that was it. I had a single coffee cup in my house, a coffee cup and a coffee maker. And I, I had a fork. like that with towels. I had a fork. Oh, God, you are filling. Oh, Lord. When, when I go out of town, like before we had kids, when Aaron would be home alone, I would come home and it was only bowls and spoons because all he does is eat cereal when I'm gone. That's Absolutely. it. Like the only thing. Nothing yeah. else is dirty. Nothing else mm-hmm. has been used. Cereal, milk, spoon, bowl. That's it. And I'm going to tell you another pro tip that is going to wreck their game, but they will do this when you're coming home. When the boys get a little bit older, they'll say, oh, mom, text us like when you get in. And then they'll you'll text and be like, on my way home from the airport. And they will run around and start picking up God knows what they've done in the kitchen, just destroying that place. It'll be wrecked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think they're already. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> I, I wish they would. I, I, every time I get home and I'm like, no one ate the asparagus. No one ate. I mean, I, I prepped many different multicolored meals for you. And it looks totally. like the only thing missing is cereal totally. and frozen pizza. I gave Cohen a dinner last night and it was a plate of tan. I felt really bad as a, as a, a dad. A plate of tan. Everything was tan. Every item. It was various shades of cream and tan. It was like, you know, corn and mac and cheese and, and tater tots or nuggets or something. It was like <laughs> you everything. Know, and you know what Cohen probably thought? This is a great meal. My dad totally. rules so hard. Yeah. I felt bad. He needs some green in his life. What was your slice? Oh. Have you done it yet? No, I mean, I feel like we just made up another slice, but if you want me to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, there was a cool study that came out this week. It was from the folks that do Spotify, which is interesting because they're able to track people's listening habits. like The man, the like, big brother. They're watching us always. Right, but I thought it was interesting. They have started to put out some data. but um, And this data is actually, I've been afraid of what this data is proving for a long time because I'm such a like fan of 
music, but I also always noticed when I was a kid that my dad never listened to new cool music, and I was always like, when does that point happen where your I'm, style, I'm, your music, everything, the right, haircut, the whole right. thing just locks in. It is the golden era. But I'm telling you, it's happening. Like this, my haircut, this whole thing you see right now, yeah. this will be me until it just goes bald. But there's not going to be. You're anymore. riding this wave. <laughs> this is this is it. You locked that's, it in. That's it. I feel no good late, about this. This is for one you. last ride. Right on. The heist gang on your head. Heist gang. But that's it. I'm locking in. Every week when you do entertainment releases, like, you're I know. Like, you're I know, like, I have no interest in it. I know. That. Well, I kind of want to, but then I'm like, okay. And then I'm just like, you know what? Ryan Adams. I'm going to go back. Listen, I love Ryan Adams, right? Because I've been listening to Ryan Adams for 10 years. Um, so apparently, we're all, this is going to happen to all of us. It says, uh, so Elliot Van. Bus Kirk, like this matters. He works at uh, Spotify. He said at around age 42, music taste briefly curves back to the popular charts um, of, and people have like a musical midlife crisis around the age 42. Huh. And they say that they're hearkening back to their youth. And this is specific in parents. And they're asking like, well, how would you know that they're parents? Well, it's because they're looking at all their music and they're also ha they also have a ton of Elmo songs being played. Oh. So they see that what starts to happen is they have a bunch of kids songs, then a bunch of adult songs in their 30s, and there's different various bands, and then somewhere around the 40s, it all just loops back to the popular top 40 music. Um, is it because their kids are getting older and they're listening to Katy Perry, and so they're like, oh, that's not bad, and so they're like listening together? Right, no, that's it. And then it's also, but it's top 40 from like their youth, so oh, they just oh, start to go nostalgia. back. Oh. They're having like a, right, sorry, they're having a midlife, so all of a sudden, I'm just back to listening to Pearl Jam and Nirvana and all of the grunge era 90s, 80s stuff. I do think there, I, I had a theory years ago that there's something that gets like set in your psyche yeah. the year that you graduate from high school. And it's like music and culture and fashion. And no matter like whatever happens after that, you will always sort of, there's like a, a, a like the cement dries and you will always, like for me, that's 1994. There's something about 1994 that will always seem like that's how things should be. The right. pinnacle. Th those yeah. kind of jeans are totally the kind of jeans people should still what, wear. What was you know? the kind of music then? What was the music of the mid '90s for you? Oh, I was uh, Indigo Girls jam band. Oh, oh my I was going to a lot of fish shows. A oh, lot of widespread panic. No, yeah. you weren't. That's you went really. to fish shows. Fish Did, a lot. Oh, were you that girl? Were you like I was dancing? Totally that girl. Oh, Shauna. Yeah. You were such a complex. Person, just she was the cheer, smoking cheerleader who yeah. going to fish shows. Just going to fish shows. I love knowing more about you. Um, <laughs> so the study also finds that after our teenage years, our tastes move away from the mainstream until we're about thirty. So that makes sense. Kind of like post teenage years, going through college, you're starting to listen to uh, all of the non top like, 40 like stuff. indie music and stuff right. Like that. You're yeah. discovering yeah. bands. This is that time, yeah. um, which I would say holds true uh, with me. Um, and they say that this is a result. But you were a big Dave Matthews guy in your 20s. Yeah, but Dave was kind of cool then. I'm not just telling myself that. <laughs> like, I was kind of like, <laughs> right, <laughs> I was kind of like right in the, it wasn't solely Dave Matthews, but I was right in the, like, the curve of like, all the friends were like getting bootlegs from the show and we were like deep into the, God, I'm such a dork. I don't want to talk. I'm like 100 years old when I say this, but I saw Dave open for Big Head Todd. <laughs> 
and the monsters. <laughs> you are perfect. Um, <laughs> Eddie, did, did that live, uh, the, the, the Dave Matthews live with Tim Reynolds, did that just like blow your mind Dude, back it, in the it, day, man? It blew my mind. When that was like, one of the best things I've ever heard. around on acoustic guitars. That was like one of the best things I've ever heard. And I know you're totally goofing on me right now, but it really was amazing. <laughs> it was so like you good. You still think about it sometimes, like, dude, that Tim Reynolds guy, wow. He's, he's the best. He is the best guitar player I've ever heard. <laughs> Okay. Were you Nick? sad when the violinist died? Yes. I, I was at, it was, uh, uh, yeah, I was there, the show after he died. When he died, oh. No, okay. no, no, I wasn't there when he died. He didn't die on stage. At my hand. Yeah, no, it wasn't the violinist, it was the, uh, <laughs> This is the real dude who died. Yeah, and it was also sorry. the saxophone player. The, oh, sorry. Yeah, the violinist guy is, he's doing just fine. Because he, he could shred. He is really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, it was the saxophone player that died, That's and I was sad. there right after. That it, was a pivotal part of the Dave Matthews Matthew sound, was, it was that, that honky-tonk, jazzy yeah. saxophone. Except what was funny is that I saw their, 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 their like first show back, and it was like live at Red Rocks out in Seattle, and yeah. it was like their home show. Did they like, have a fill-in saxophonist, or did well, they just have a void that's in what their the, music? They brought, well, no, no, they had a fill-in, and everybody quickly realized, like, whoa, this fill-in is way better than the original guy. No. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, they're doing these, like, long saxophone riffs that were, like, a half hour, and it was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I'm not saying I'm glad he died, but I'm glad he's out of the band. Dude, don't even... I, I'm, I'm going to tweet you that that offended me. <laughs> um... Anyhow, did, you, did, you, did you and your buddies used to talk about how sweet Carter Buford was, Eddie? He was the best drummer. We used to talk about him all the time. I know you did. I, I know Dave Matthews fans really well. We like, I know what you guys do. We talked I about know him. the Tim Reynolds CD. I know about Carter Buford. I know what you guys are. But I was also in a band. We were like trying to really do the thing then. And so the, yeah. Dave Matthews, <laughs> it's really, we were no, so I, typical. I knew a lot of guys like you. I, I know it. You I don't have to explain. L- I got it. Spotify, Spotify just released a study about you. Literally. <laughs> Just you, Dave Matthews. Dave yeah. Matthews or Nirvana? Matthews guy from late '90s. No, we knew you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, anyway, so around 35, our musical tastes mature, and so at 35, we're really listening Adult to adult contemporaries. A, no, but we're listening to a wide variety of things. Oh, okay. So when you think about like people that are listening to relevant, we are really perfectly in the square like kind of the in the crosshairs of like listening to a bunch of diverse kinds of music and yeah. I, I find that myself like I'll go all over the map and listen to two things and they say but even though that happens at 35 still around 42 you still come home and you're go back to like what was mainstream when you were young so I look forward to you know look forward to do, that. doing that in seven years <laughs> or tomorrow so there's this huge surge in Dave Matthews uh, catalog sales yeah they, in about seven years <laughs> and uh I'm having totally one of those, like I'm not 42 yet, but Mm -hmm. everything this week has been like every single thing that's happened to me has been like file under, I am getting so old. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Last night we had a bunch of friends over and all their little girls are doing gymnastics in the lawn. Um, the boys are playing basketball and the girls are doing gymnastics. And one of the girls was like, Shauna, can you still, can you do a cartwheel? I'm like, can I do a cartwheel? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I, several cartwheels and round offs later, I am so sore. Just crumbling. Wait, like, you're, I, doing, like, I'm, yeah, you're doing round offs? Is there evidence, like video evidence of these round offs? No, absolutely not. Nobody did. Zero. Pull no. out a camera? Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I do feel that though. There's something hey, about- next uh, yeah. Christmas party. Round off, uh, round off, off. I, I had the a similar experience. I was at like a, a skateboard ramp, you know, where where and all these you, like kids were playing around. I was like, ah, oh, I used to do this when I was you know 15 or whatever. And so I went to go like drop in, and it's like four or five feet. 
and I literally, it was literally just like jumping parallel and just slamming your body from five <laughs> feet onto the flat ground. I remember just lying there, and people were like, it wasn't even like people were laughing. You're like, sir, sir, are you okay? Because it, it was just like, imagine just jumping and just landing right on your side, yeah, like five dude. feet on the ground. And it was just the sound of like a body smacking the ground. I just remember thinking, the no one's laughing. That's probably not a good sign. Like that probably <laughs> looked as bad as it hurts right now. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It was uh, like getting. It was like like a, a wrestler performed a body like an invisible wrestler body slam. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll do it for slices. Uh, stay tuned. Up next on a very different note, Scott Harrison. Yes, yeah, I would say there could be no more different note than what we just did. Staring at me, I grabbed my key. Staring at me, I started the car, then I tried to leave. Something told me to keep it in park. Till I could see the reason why he was mad at a stranger Like I was supposed to save him Like I'm the reason he homeless and asking me for a favor He's staring at me, his eyes follow me with no laser He's staring at me, I noticed that his stare is contagious Cause now I'm staring back at him, feeling some type of disrespect If I could throw a bat at him, he'll be aiming at his neck I never understood someone begging for goods Asking for a hand, I was taking it if they could And this particular person just had it down back Staring at me for the longest until he finally asked have you ever opened up Exodus 14? A humble man is all that we ever need. Tell me how much a dollar cost. You're listening to Kendrick Lamar. The song is How Much a Dollar Cost from To Pimp a Butterfly. Well, this week's feature interview is brought to you by Harry's, a, a shaving company that's disrupting the shaving industry, uh, providing high-quality shaving experiences for really low cost. I, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a user. Well, Harry's, you can get a high-quality shave for about half the price of the other big, big branded blades. They ship for free to your front door. The starter set of Harry's is an amazing deal. For just 15 bucks, you get a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. And uh, comparable to that, I mean, 32 bucks for an eight-pack of blades. Oh, it's crazy. You know, if somewhere I else. Shaved, somewhere else, yeah. I would totally use Harry's. Absolutely. And it's a quality, like, handle. It's a quality oh, yeah. blade. Uh, they they're actually gorgeous. own their own German factory where they make the blades and stuff. It's high quality, low cost. I don't get it. They're just cutting out the middleman. Love it. I love supporting people who disrupt yeah. industries. There's also a satisfaction guarantee. Uh, on average, an everyday shaver would save $150 a year by, by switching to Harry's. So it's a no-brainer. Right now, you can go to harrys.com, and Harry's will give you $5 off your first order when you type in coupon code RELEVANT. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S.com. You put in coupon code RELEVANT for 5 bucks off. Experience a clean, close, comfortable shave with Harry's. Well... We know this week, this past week, a uh, powerful 7.8 magnitude earthquake devastated the country of Nepal. Mm -hmm. It struck between the two largest cities, uh, Pokhara and Kathmandu, and it was massive. Uh, it's the worst earthquake in more than 80 years. More than 4,000 people have been killed, confirmed, and the number's rising. That's crazy. And, I mean, ancient buildings are just rubble. And it's a crisis. Yeah. And um, Charity Water has been there in Nepal for the last five years, uh, working with um, a couple of local partners. Uh, they've done hundreds of clean water projects in the country. And after hearing about the quake, they uh, are doing something unprecedented. They are doing relief efforts for the people of Nepal, which 100% uh, of the funds raised by Charity Water right now are going to go to the most urgent needs, water, food, shelter, sanitation, hygiene, and emergency care for the injured. And then down the road, support will 
will help the country rebuild. Because of this unprecedented act and because we're such fans of, of mm-hmm. Charity Water, and there's other orgs doing amazing work there too. World Vision's doing relief work. A ton of, a ton of them are. Uh, we wanted to ask uh, Scott Harrison to join us. And also joining us today is Christoph Gorder, the Chief uh, Global Water Officer at Charity Water. Welcome to the, to the show, guys. Thanks for having us on, guys. Thanks. Uh, so you guys are there. Your front lines. This hits very close to home for you. What are you seeing in Nepal? What are you hearing? What's the situation like? Yeah, Christoph, I'll let you start. Um, so this is, uh, I mean, like you said, it's just a terrible tragedy. I mean, it's affecting 8 million people there. There are uh, thousands and thousands of wounded. Uh, the situation on the ground is really chaotic. Um, it's going to take them years to recover. Uh, right now, the priority is search and rescue and, um, you know, caring for the injured and providing the basic survival needs for, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who uh, desperately need our help. Um, we're ramping up operations as quickly as we can. Um, and uh, every day we're making a lot of progress, but it is going to be a long, uh, long road. You know, the, the, there are, people have been sleeping outside um, across the region because they're afraid of aftershocks. Um, and you can just imagine the uh, terror and sadness that the whole country is going through and, and we are going through with them. This is a huge or different type of undertaking for Charity Water, you, you know, building wells and hundreds of clean water projects, but now you're doing relief work. I mean, this is uncharted territory. How, how are you guys doing it? Like, what, what is it that you're having to put in place to uh, help with these other needs? Yeah, well, one, of, <clears throat> one of the cool things was uh, we had, you know, for years I'd, I'd actually said, hey, look, you know, a couple of things we don't do. We don't work in conflict zones. We're just too new of an organization. Uh, we're not sneaking into any countries where governments don't want uh, assistance. And I used to say, and three, we don't do anything in the relief space. Uh, a couple of years ago, you know, we started to just realize that water and sanitation are two of the most important things. You know, we saw that through the Haiti earthquake. Uh, Cherry Water actually waited a couple months um, until kind of the relief cycle was over when it came to Haiti. And then we raised money only for more sustainable work in the areas where people were going back home to. Um, so people were leaving at that time Port-au-Prince back to the Central Plateau, back to uh, the island of Laganov where we, were, where we were working. And we stayed completely out of the relief efforts. Um, but I think we just, you know, a- after that, we started talking about it internally and said, look, if there's an opportunity, you know, where it's, it's in a country where we, we have great local partners, where we've been working, um, we think that our, our kind of unique 100% model um, would be able to get a lot of people who maybe aren't giving to some of these other organizations, you know, to, to give $5, $10, $20 and, and play a part in this. And again, you know, because we know that 100% of the money can go directly to, you know, these relief efforts, we'll have a great opportunity to actually tell them where their money went and, and what kind of impact it had. And it's going to look a little different than, you know, a photo and a GPS picture of a well, uh, but we could still apply our values of transparency, you know, to this and still try and get, you know, a bunch of small donations and a bunch of people, you know, to get to care about this and connect them to, you know, the the work that's being done on the ground. So, you know, it happened over the weekend. I was actually uh, in the Bahamas speaking at a conference and um, I was with Vic and, you know, her team was kind of all over on a Saturday and uh, this is kind of a random story, but a bunch of the creatives were at a hot sauce festival, uh, <laughs> which I'm like, well, that must have been tough to leave, guys. <laughs> but they, uh, you know, everybody kind of sprung into motion and uh, there was a, an internal base camp thread with about 51 people on it. 
And, you know, we were able to really you know, mobilize very quickly. Christophe, uh, we've been very fortunate, uh, has, you know, 16 years of disaster response in his previous roles, uh, you know, has responded to a lot of the earthquakes in, in Iran before uh, was active in Haiti. So we really just had the pieces and said, let's give our community a way to give. We're 100% of their money. We'll go to these efforts. And, you know, let's let's figure out how to how to really connect them and tell them, you know, that their money is really making a difference. Um, so it's been it's been really amazing just to see the outpouring of support come in just in the last couple of days. Watching the story unfold on the news, you just continue to be struck by the severity of it. And, you know, where do you where do you even start to help? So what are you all doing? Where is 100 percent of this money going and what are the immediate needs that are being met? And what does it look like, you know, a month, two months, years down the road? Yeah, I'm going to kick to Christophe. I think just, you know, um, just kind of understanding how the cycle of activity works in these disasters, you know, is probably a, a good way to even start. So um, right away on Saturday when this happened, we saw it happen on the news. Right away, we reached out to our local partners on the ground. Um, uh, you know, like Scott said, we've worked with them for five years. We know them. Uh, we're there several times a year. Um, and our program team was actually, uh, our program team from headquarters was actually in India. So they were, they were very, very close. Um, our, our local partners have 200 staff, uh, more than 200 staff among them. And, you know, the first priority for them was, uh, you know, how are their families and how, how, how is their staff uh, doing? So they spent the first couple days, uh, you know, figuring out uh, what, you know, doing the assessment of headcount. Yeah. How's everybody doing? The good news is uh, they didn't lose anybody. So we're, we're, we're just we're so pleased about that. Um, of course, they are deeply affected by this and it's it, it's difficult for them to to swing into action. So um, what we're doing right now is um, uh, the partner staff are fanning out across all the areas that they're covering, uh, doing the rapid assessment of what the damage is uh, at the water points that we've supported and in the villages that have been affected. Um, everybody gets back together tomorrow and uh, we start to implement uh, the, the, the plan for providing water in, uh, in those areas. Secondly, uh, we work with one of the uh, with some of the large emergency response organizations um, that that fly in from from overseas, um, and so there we've committed a significant amount of funding to uh, immediate water provision, uh, which uh, usually happens through water trucking, um, water purification tablets and distribution of buckets and hygiene kits and basic needs for, for the people. So that is getting ramped up now as the international specialists have started to arrive in Kathmandu over the course of the last 48 hours. So I think you really want to take the long view on this. Um, the international effort is growing exponentially every, every day in its operational cap capacity, and it'll really start to hit its stride over the course of the next uh, couple of days. So we're... Um, uh, we're moving really fast and there's a lot of work to be done and we're going to be there for, you know, months, if not years, helping these people get back up on their feet. I actually had the opportunity a few years ago with my church to visit Nepal and it seems like a lot of the areas there, there are a lot of just really remote and difficult to reach areas. Are there particular challenges with uh, a relief effort in an area like this compared to, to some others and, and what's the best way that you guys have seen to tackle some of those, especially geographic challenges for a country like Nepal? 
you know, by definition, something this big just completely overwhelms the system's avail- ability to respond. You know, so you think about Hurricane Katrina or um, Sandy here in New York, even in a developed country, uh, it becomes really difficult to access all the areas. So in Nepal, like you said, it's particularly difficult. The landslides have wiped out a lot of roads. The communications networks are really severely damaged. So right now to get to these uh, remote villages, um, people are hiking in because uh, there are a few helicopters in Nepal, but there really aren't that many. The, the, the Nepalese military only has one large helicopter that they can actually ferry a significant amount of goods on. So they're they're hiking into these communities uh, and, and literally carrying in food and uh, drinking water and they're carrying the victims out uh, across uh, treacherous mountains. It's it's a very, very difficult situation. Wow. I think it's interesting that you, you mentioned the 100% model uh, maybe attracting donations because the, the I just remember after Haiti, there was a there's a lot of great organizations doing great work and they're great stewards of their resources. But I remember there was some benefit concerts and things where it's just like the funds didn't necessarily quite go where donors who texted money and thought it was going. And I think it's interesting that you're applying your kind of transparency model to to relief work. Is this maybe a new direction for Charity Water or is this kind of a one and done? What are you envisioning? You know, uh, just on the 100% model, I think, you know, what is, um, you know, slightly bothered us sometimes is seeing, you know, the appeals and in the fine print, often it'll say, hey, by the way, we can use this money wherever we want, you know, and and people are giving to respond to a disaster. Um, And and I think a lot of organizations might really try to, you know, intentionally overraise and kind of, you know, fill the coffers. And I think, you know, that's uh, that's something that, that, you know, a lot of young people really, they, they want better. You know, they yeah. want something different. Uh, I, I remember years ago, uh, Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Sans Frontières, made, made headlines when they actually offered people money back. They mm-hmm. said, we have overraised our ability to spend uh, in this disaster, and we're going to give you the money back. And of course, you know, 99% of the people said, keep the money. Thank you so much for just being straight with us. Yeah. You know, we'd love to support your work. We're happy to support a future disaster. Um, thank you for telling us and just being transparent. So at the end of the day, you know, that's really the value that, that we believe. I think, you know, uh, it's a water truck, uh, purification tablets, latrines, you know, in a sort of temporary situation is very different than a sustainable well um, that we hope to last, you know, for, for decades. Um, but as long as people know where their money is going, you know, I think they, uh, they're really open to helping uh, and, and, and a bunch of different value propositions. We are, I think we're pretty close to done. I wanted to thank you for your support of the relevant podcast efforts over the past few months without oh, getting yeah. deep into it. Nickelback, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, we're saying, we can say the word. <laughs> yes, you all were very kind. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, they're very kind yeah. to tolerate yes, our yes, efforts yes, over the yes, last yeah, few yeah, months. I guess, very tolerant. I guess we, thanks for taking our call just now, <laughs> I think is probably where we are. Hey, you know what, you guys, uh, you guys helped raise an incredible amount of awareness through that campaign and and, you know, most importantly, helped over a thousand people, you know, get access to clean water. So I, I just got back from Ethiopia last week. You know, I'm I'm constantly just reminded how uh, how much that really means. I got to see some charity water wells that were seven years old. Wow. wow. Um, you know, the organization's only eight now. So that was kind of exciting. And you know, I went to four villages that, you know, that had been funded seven years ago. And it was cool to stand around and look at the kids you know, and realized they had never known dirty water. You know, the parents were taking us to the swamps and the dirty sources 
that they, you know, that they obviously remembered more than seven years. But, you know, you had five and six year old kids. The only thing they knew in their entire life was clean water. So, you know, the relevant podcast, Jesse, your your efforts um, <laughs> you know, made that possible for another thousand kids. So That's it's, incredible. It's, well, well played. Really quite that was really a good response. Well, is there a specific URL where people can see what you're doing in Nepal and uh, get involved? Yeah, just uh, just really charitywater.org for the next week. Uh, it'll be on our homepage. And, you know, we're continuing to post information. We're about to post a blog in the next half hour with some more details, uh, more about the partners, you know, more about the response. And, um, you know, we, we really look at, I think we've had about 5,200 people make contributions. And, you know, we're really looking uh, for ways to connect that community with, you know, with, with what they're really, their money's going to make happen in Nepal. So, you know, we'll do our best to, um, you know, to be transparent and, and hopefully make people feel really good about um, the sacrifice they've made. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today. Cool, guys. Thanks for having us on. Thanks. You're listening to Hillsong United. See a little conceptual tie-in there. Uh, the song is Prince of Peace. It's from their upcoming new album, I don't uh, get it. Empires. Uh, Hillsong United is on the cover of the brand new issue of Relevant, which we are about to uh, talk about. Your creativity knows no ends. Joining us uh, from Nashville, uh, the managing editor for this issue of Relevant, uh, Tyler Huckabee is God joining bless us. bless him. Hey guys. Hey and, buddy. And uh, we have some news. We have some news. Uh, Tyler this is joining us for this issue because obviously, like I just said, he was the managing editor of it. But uh, now he has shifted it to a new role. He's doing some new things and he's a contributing editor to Relevant moving forward. Uh, hopefully still be able to join us on the show from time to time. And he obviously he'll still be writing for us and stuff. So it'll be like he never left. But uh, he is no longer in the managing editor role. And uh, but still he... Me. Still the same guy. Still the same guy. Here's my primary... The same same lovable Tyler. Uh, So the new issue of Relevant uh, is out now. It just, you know, releases uh, May May 1st today, officially. Uh, It's been shipping to subscribers and hitting newsstands. So we want to give you a little kind of behind the scenes of how it came together and why we did what we did. Um, It's a fun issue. It's, It's... We had... So, you know, print is different than digital. Digital of the moment. You can change it. You post something on Facebook. You don't like it. You can edit it. You can pull it down when you have regrets later. You know, digital world, right. print is permanent, right? Don't even say that. So, well, it is. <laughs> it makes me nervous. And so, so the best laid plans, you know, Hillsong United is releasing a new album called Empires. They also have had a big budget Hollywood documentary made following them around, also releasing nationally big theater releases in a little Christian movie. Uh, and so we thought the two of them happening together, coming out in late May, this is amazing. 
this is kind of unprecedented from kind of somebody from our world kind of like kind of breaking through like that. Uh, well, outside we, of Left Behind. But. Yeah, we need to get them on. I said our world. Uh, we, need to, <laughs> we need to get them on the cover and, and like talk about this. This is like a new era for the band. And uh, so we did. And sent the issue to the printer, which, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the article in a second. But sent the issue to the printer. The next day, the issue's gone. The next day, it's announced the movie's been delayed and it's coming out in the fall. No way. <laughs> so our May issue wah, wah, wah. features a band whose movie is coming out in the fall. But at least the album's coming out uh, in May. So that's good. That's kind Isn't of that funny. But it's like one of those things like, seriously? He's coming out. Yeah, at least it's coming out. <laughs> yeah. We're priming the pump. We're priming the pump. And so when the trailers start hitting more in August and September and your friends are like, oh, what's that all about? Guess what, readers? You'll know. Nailed You'll it. know what it's all about. You're ahead of the we're, game. We're just way ahead of the curve. Two steps ahead of Hollywood, like usual. Relevant readers are the hipster readers because they <laughs> found out about stuff before it was cool. Anything, um, we're just too relevant this time yeah, around. Too relevant. <laughs> Tyler, you wrote the cover story, did you not? Yeah, I did. And I talked to a few people in Hillsong United. Joel Houston, of course, the band leader of Hillsong, of Hillsong who we've talked to a couple of times. Taya Smith, who I'd never talked to before, but uh, people probably know her because she's the voice who sang Oceans, which was their song that blew up and I think changed the, the worship game for 2014 and beyond. Um, but probably, I mean, the, the conversation that interests me the most or the reason that I would go to this to go to the story is because we talked to Michael John Warren, who is the director of this movie. He also directed Fade to Black, which was a Jay-Z documentary. He's done documentaries on uh, Nicki Minaj. He did one on Chris Brown, which, I mean, we know my friends on Chris Brown, but still a documentary is impressive one way or the other. He was approached about doing this, doing this movie, the Hillsong movie, and he was not familiar with Hillsong. He is not a Christian. He has no, he doesn't go to church. He went to Hillsong Church in New York City to go see the band play one time. And evidently, just like that, he was so blown away by the performance of the band. He was so moved by what they had to say that he knew he, what he told me is he said, I knew the story right away as soon as I saw it. Wow. And that got him pumped about making a movie like the Hillsong United movie, which will be coming out in the fall. His conversation, his thoughts on the movie and on Hillsong United as a band, especially as somebody who was not a Christian, were super interesting and make me way more excited to see the movie. Yeah, I agree. Another unexpected uh, piece in this one is uh, we interview comedian and podcaster Mark Marin, yeah. Yeah. who is a, an atheist and mm-hmm. kind of kind of harsh, but has has become known for these unbelievable podcast conversations where he gets people to open up about things that I, are just jaw dropping. I have listened, In- to- including faith. Yeah. Yeah. I've listened to every one of his podcasts for probably three years, hmm. and he is one of my favorite interviewers because he is just he is just so um, uh, just brutally honest in a way that is disarming to people. Mm-hmm. He, he will just ask them. He'll, people will actually say things to him like, "Yeah, but that was because my dad." And he's like, "We'll get to that." And then he just keeps walking through the story, and it's it's phenomenal what he's able to do. It was cool. And and I think the cool thing about the story is, you know. He brings that honesty and transparency. I was talking with a guy who, uh, Eric, who wrote the piece and, you know, he, you know, he had him over the house and in the garage where they record the podcast. And, you know, he was showing him books about religion that he's read and that he's enjoyed. And he's not one of these guys who is anti is, is an atheist in that he's anti God. It's just, he doesn't know where he lands and he is totally open, you know, his thoughts about the church and how he thinks, the idea of a mega church is super appealing. It's just, he's just very, 
honest about his own issues with the ability to believe in God, but not anything against God or religion. It's a it's a really fascinating story. One of my favorites that we've done in a long time. Honestly, one of my favorite interviews you've had in the magazine in a long time. It's really good. So uh, there's also a th- uh, we talked to Judah Smith, who's a, a pastor who's kind of uh, known as becoming kind of Hollywood's pastor. Bieber and other Selena Gomez and other young celebrities uh, are being led uh, by him. He has a started. He's a pastor of a City Church up in Seattle, but he started a Bible study in Beverly Hills a few years ago. That's just continued to like attract uh, influencers from Hollywood and mm-hmm. has grown and grown and grown and. It's really interesting to see kind of the impact that Judah, uh, Rich Wickerson Jr., Carl Lentz, these guys have had. I, I like to call them, you know, the heist gang, uh, the, and uh, they're 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 just taking the devil's territory, is what they're doing. The, taking the devil's territory. <laughs> so we, we talk to Judah and get to the kind of Great find out more about him. Coming movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. We have a great think piece, the science of life, kind of um, talking about bioethics and faith, and and asking the big question of like almost like what is life in this world where we can you know like artificially create life or enhance life or extend life. Kind of talking about the bioethics from a from a Christian worldview is something that like, I mean, this isn't happening on the horizon. I mean, this is something that we have to grapple with yesterday and nobody yeah. the church really isn't talking yeah. about it yeah that that one uh, i got to the to be able to speak to some of these christian bioethicists <laughs> who've really thought hard about uh some of the issues that the church is going to have to deal with you know within the next few years uh you know how far I, the, the, there's there's this dilemma of as christians the gospel tells us to care for the sick but where how far do we take that when we are actually playing God ourselves with some of these technological advancements that allow for things that sound almost like the stuff of sci-fi. Um, so it's really interesting to hear their perspective and look at, you know, how far is too far? Where where are we playing God? And uh, what are the issues that the church is going to have to uh, deal with very, very soon? Yeah. Uh, we have a couple of fun things. Rob Fee uh, wrote uh, the Summer Mission Guide. It's like a, a, what, you know, like tips. 10 tips when you're going on your summer mission trip. Um, he sent over 30 initially, so there, we might need to do an expanded. He was ready to go on this one. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be running we it in three him. segments for the next three issues. That's really fun. <laughs> uh, we also uh, we have a new author in the magazine uh, who wrote about, uh, we called it the initiation game, but basically, why is it so awkward to ask someone out in church? Why is dating so weird in church? Uh, Mr. Eddie Coffolds mm-hmm. and uh, Joe Saxton, who Joe Saxton, who I love. You introduced Joe's me. Joe's the best. Yeah. Isn't how did great? How did you How do you know her? Because you introduced me. to I her. I went to the If Gathering in Austin, a women's conference, and yeah. I was having dinner with a table of nice ladies. All the speakers and Holla! it was literally me and twelve <laughs> of the speakers and people. I was sitting next to Shauna because yes. she was about the only person I knew, and Shauna's mom, Lynn Hybels, and I was in you know in that corner. And directly across from me was Joe Saxton. She introduced herself. And uh, she had read an article we did on, uh, or she had read Eddie's article. He wrote a, a Ask Relevant about dating in the mm-hmm. church, and he wrote to guys. Yeah. And uh, she had read it and said, 
I thought I thought that writer d- had amazing things to say. I would love to to have a similar type of thing talking to the girls about why is it so weird to date in church mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I thought, man, absolutely, we need to do this. And so we were planning the issue, and this idea came up, and I mentioned it to Eddie, and he connected with Joe, and they wrote it together. Yeah. So here's what was really fun was because I never met her, and like to write with someone is like, our voice is going to match up. Like, how are we going to actually do this? And so I called her, and I mean, like about 10 seconds into the phone call, we are just riffing on dating and Christian culture and the whole thing. And we're like going to be friends and just <laughs> loving it. And we just were like, okay, cool. We'll just write it together. And then we just hung up the phone, wrote it. And she is just, she is really funny and smart, smart, smart. She's just a great pastor too. She's a great thinker. I loved, um, I loved her writing on this. Yeah. The, the piece is, is, it's fun. It's a fun topic, but it's a real topic too. I mean, like there's nothing more oh, yeah. awkward than uh, being single in church. So no, I thought she, yeah, I thought it was really, it's a topic that we, we see breakout all the time on the website in various capacities. It's a, there's a real felt need there. People want to dig into that. And yeah. and Eddie and Joe do. Yeah, it's some really practical good stuff. I got it. The culture, uh, the culture <laughs> coverage. Uh, yeah, they fix dating and singleness in the church. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, all done. Done. <laughs> next <laughs> next topic. Well, your work here is done. <laughs> uh, we have some great culture coverage. Uh, the War on Drugs, uh, phenomenal band, uh, had one of the best albums of the year last year. Did we name it our best album? We be- named it our best album. Of 2014 yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and i stand by that it's a yeah. really good album they're a really good band great conversation with the guy um i, I think that was a, it's what i've been looking forward to write for a long time because i love that band so much and uh, i think it delivered yeah i do say so myself and uh a new uh, ivan and aliosha which you know uh, their album's coming out next week uh phenomenal we've been playing some of the songs over the last couple of weeks on the podcast phenomenal album uh we feature with them as well uh sandra mccracken uh is who was on the podcast just a few weeks ago she's in the magazine uh derek minor uh a rapper will butler's in the mag uh, uh the leads about his new album the lead singer of arcade fire uh echo smith uh, the cool kids song is in the a lot of good culture coverage it's uh <laughs> it's a good issue and maker you know our, our our section for influencers and leaders uh we talk about the kind of a new model of just business uh businesses for-profit businesses that are building into their um uh, model kind of like uh justice efforts and giving back which is very cool uh we talk about everything wearable tech and like kind of like think think about this yeah. and like how our lives are changing um we we spotlight four churches that are changing everything uh, that are being innovative and thinking out of the box in their areas and they're um, kind of rethinking the model of, of modern church uh reject apathy we we make a non-religious case against pornography which is interesting mm-hmm. because i think it's easy for christians to just go well well, morally, it's wrong, but yeah. but we look at it from a different perspective uh, and make a non-religious case against pornography. We talk it about blew ISIS. my mind. Some of the research in there, some of the things that that I that I read when I was doing the research for that case, I was not I was not prepared for how much research, how many studies have been done by non-religious, non-faith-based institutions, very strongly condemning the effects of pornography on both people who watch it and people who participate in it. The uh, the actors and and filmmakers and things like that. It's yeah, a really the, interesting. I, it, yeah. I was I was surprised at how fascinating it was once I started getting into that one. Yeah, even outside any sort of moral agenda, it's just a yeah. very bad thing. Yeah, very bad thing. Uh, we spotlight the best summer TV shows coming out. There's a whole lot mm-hmm. of stuff. Uh, whatever you're interested in, there's something for you in the new issue of Relevant. Uh, if you want to get it, you can subscribe now. It's only a buck a month. Uh, it's available on newsstands nationwide. Most Barnes and Nobles have it. Um, some airports, some different. I don't know. Just look for it, and if they don't have it, ask. 
and they'll get it. Yeah. Um, if you want to subscribe, it's a buck a month. Uh, subscribers get access to the iPad edition and the Android tablet edition as well, and instant access to all the magazine content on the website. Going back to year one, like eleven years of content. Some of that early stuff was really bad. No way. I you got to read about read up about Mace. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> I remember when DMX found God and it was the lead slice, and then like a year and a half later, he was in jail again, and like totally was not. He didn't find God. We're like, man, print is permanent. That's Stupid <laughs> print. Uh, we stopped. We stopped covering uh, celebrity conversions for that for DMX because of DMX and Mace. Honestly, so we've got some cool updates in the tablet edition this time too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we're trying to make it a lot more easy to share. Yep. A lot. Um, one of the features that I thought was really neat that we added is any pull quote that you see in the entire issue. If you just click on it, you can tweet it. Yep. Yeah, it's really cool. JD uh, is our head, head digital designer. So with him coming in, he's not just pressing the buttons doing the podcast. Um, with him coming in, it was like, let's rethink the model here. And we have some big rethinks that are that are brewing about the iPad experience. But you don't want to mess with something that's working either because the iPad edition is probably the best thing we do. So um, yeah. it's just, you know, it's tweaking. tread lightly. Like yeah. we're, we're evolving it. Including yeah. the podcast, or you feel like, feel like it's... I'm going to go with the iPad edition. It's a little better than the podcast. <laughs> it's wow. far, far better. Well, <laughs> like, like exponentially well, I refuse better. to be involved in the podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, get it now. I think you'll like the issue, um, and we'd appreciate the support. So, hey, Tyler, thanks for joining us uh, from Nashville. Rest in peace, thanks, buddy. Always good to see you guys. Rest in peace. Yeah, you too, man. All nice, right. Nice plunging V. Stay tuned. Up next, feedback. It's my Listening to Of Monsters and Men. The song is Eye of the Storm, but it's the letter I. Oh, I get it. Yeah. It's like ironic. Yeah, yeah. I of the Storm. Oh, like I am of the Storm? Yeah. yeah. Something. Uh huh. There's a new album coming out, uh, Beneath the Skin. <laughs> okay, it's time for your feedback. Uh, so last week, no corrections or apologies. No. Yeah, I, I'm not correcting or apologizing. None. Yep. No, keep moving All on. All right, keep moving on. Uh, That's mistake number two, Eddie. <laughs> I know. Last week, we got talking about emoji usage. We got talking about the new emoji packs that came out, and we, uh, you know, there's pros and cons to it. There's some good improvements, but there's a lot of stuff still missing. So we asked you what uh, emojis need to be added in the next update uh, to the emoji uh, keyboard. And you guys went over to the... Uh, podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and posted there. You also uh, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Some really good suggestions here. Here's a few of our favorites. Yeah, well, uh, someone on the Relevant Podcast page said, uh, only listen to the beginning of the show, but show far, so good. One, I like the pun. A great joke. Yeah, it's good, Two, good I, think, I think if they were implying that the show far should be 
an emoji, they are absolutely correct. You could, you could text that to people when you're feeling very victorious spiritually. Chris says that they should have an emoji of a very large person riding a tiny bike trying to convey that something is most likely impossible. <laughs> I guess you would need Niagara Falls to be funny. A bunch yeah. of people said that we needed a shofar emoji. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And somebody, and I apologize, I just remember reading it, but I don't know where, who did it. But they, it was a screenshot. But they just did a bunch of the little trumpets. They use they were using trumpet as shofar. Yeah, so yeah, for it's the, not bad. So for the relevant podcast family from now on, until they make a shofar, we will just use trumpet together. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this person said. Uh, I, it says the person's name is Daniel Lewis. I'm assuming it's actor Daniel Day-Lewis. Gotta be. Um, he loves the show. Yeah, big fan. If you he have said a, a Union Jack hat uh, for supporting stopping deforestation. Uh, a monkey with a spear. <laughs> she used that for a lot of things. But it's updates about the Chimpocalypse. Uh, and Toby Mac. <laughs> a way uh, to snub someone. And finally, uh, uh, Joel Osteen to let someone know that you're having your best life now. Brian Olson wrote in to uh, tweet us, and he, his are actually legit. I, every one of these, I'm going, yeah, absolutely. Uh, fingers crossed. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. great one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, any kind of dinosaur. Please. That's a great point. Any kind of dinosaur. Any kind Please. of dinosaur. Doesn't even matter what kind. Taco, he says. Huh. Yeah. Last taco, night, I'm, yeah. Last night, Taco Tuesdays, I was trying to invite a friend. And, you know, I did 7 o'clock, and I didn't have a taco. So, no friend. Taco is curiously absent yeah. from the emoji slide. And, and this, because, is, the main, this is the main one. And I run into this issue every day. Eye-rolling face. There's no eye-rolling yeah. face. Well, I have figured out a double emoji for eye-rolling. Well, okay. Eyes looking to the left, and then the eyes looking, and then the face looking straight at you. It kind of works. Oh. I'll, 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 uh, I'll send it's it almost you. like animated. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to like that's flip the, thing, the page. That's the thing with emojis. I feel like you got to animate them in your mind a little okay. bit and kind of move through them. I'll send it to you right okay. now. It really yeah, sometimes is. I do the straight face with the eyes open and then the eyes closed and then the eyes open. Like mm -hmm. you're doing the like this bink, bink. Blinking. Oh, 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 okay. So you're like, what did you just say? Yeah, kind right. of like yeah. that. Like the cartoon. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, that's good. Uh, I just wish there was an eye rolling face. Michael said we need one of Tom Hatherford's grin. You know, the half surprised, spontaneous, full of joy grin of his. <laughs> Somebody mm -hmm. said that the mm -hmm. uh, it was Melanie said um, the usage of snake dragon has gone up one thousand five percent since Friday. I have a lot of snake dragons. The, uh, Michael also said uh, definitely a flying fly, a, a flying fox, and that would communicate sheer unadulterated terror. Well, I think that's kind of what they're going for with the snake dragon. But yeah, okay. Yeah, I feel like a, a flying fox would be. It would be more clear. Well, there's a lot more. If you guys want to chime in, uh, the other thing I enjoyed that was happening on the Twitter feed was a lot of people were screenshotting their most used emojis. I love that. And uh, we have some weird listeners is basically what it uh, showed me. But <laughs> I enjoyed it. Okay, before we move on to this week's question of the week, uh, Jesse, I meant to do this at the beginning of the segment. There's a Joe the Neighbor update. We there need to is. know what's going on. Uh, for listeners who don't know, uh, Joey, ha uh, uh, Joe the neighbor is Jesse's neighbor a few doors down and uh, has a number of, uh, has had a number of interesting encounters with him over the years. Uh, but this, this last couple months, some strange things have been happening. There's a large hole in the front yard. Uh, Joe doesn't seem like he wants the hole there or he's happy with it. And then a large crate of bananas showed up. <laughs> And so uh, a few weeks ago, we were pontificating about our theories yeah. about what that could be. You have actually spoken to Joe. I have. I, I <clears throat> ran into him a couple times recently, and uh, the hole is, in fact, filled in. Whoa. 
<clears throat> yeah, the hole is gone. What did he uh, put in that that he buried? Well, this is what he says. But some things about the story don't add up, but I just decided to stop pressing it. Uh, he claims an underground pipe had broken under his house three years ago. <laughs> and it has only come to his realization <laughs> when the city has come after him for astronomical water bills. So he decided to do some digging, quite literally. No And, and way. what he claims is after three days of hard digging, <laughs> he was able to find the pipe and prepare it himself. Hence the broken shovels. Hence why I drove by his house one day and he was so distressed looking at the pole into the hole is because he had just stumbled upon the broken pipe. Shut your mouth. So he, that's what he says. Now, doesn't oh. he know that somebody from the city would have done this? <laughs> like, even if he's it's not the type of guy that's going to go call in city officials, yeah, that's... <laughs> to come on his property. No, no, you know no, what no, I mean. No, no, I, no, I no. do. A sweet guy, though. Golly. So, what's up with the bananas? Well, here's the thing. After that that conversation, he got pretty impassioned. I kind of felt like the bananas were just something I needed to drop. <laughs> <laughs> right, like maybe that's going to go too far. Yeah, it was like you know he was very upset about the whole thing. There was, like I said, it, it, it cost him a lot of money, evidently, because the pipe had been leaking for three years. <laughs> three years. <laughs> that's what he said. What in the world? And sometimes you ever just figure there's questions that it's just better not to know the answer to. Golly. That, that's kind of where I left that one. But he's doing well. The hole's filled in. The bananas are, in fact, now gone. What and, a nut. Uh, uh, you know, things, things seem to be back to normal, at least for now. That's good. Still, uh, one is... day, we need an answer on the banana crate. I'm yeah, I, you know, I, I might that, reach it soon. I've seen them out in the yard uh, uh, since then. The banana, so, uh, the bananas are actually a little more mysterious to yeah. me than the hole for some yeah, reason. Yeah, because one person, one family can't eat that many bananas right. before the they whole, go bad. The hole we had a couple theories on. The bananas, yeah. I, I literally have nothing. Yeah. I mean, you just, there's no... Unless he has a monkey inside, honestly. Unless he's yeah. somehow I'm, co-opted a monkey. I, I guess. Or, or at least temporarily. At least if he was like monkey. temporarily... He's rehabbing a monkey. a monkey. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which wouldn't be, it wouldn't shock me one bit. And that's why he couldn't call the city to come out about the water. Because he was rehabbing a monkey. Right, right. <laughs> he has an illegal primate. Yeah. Yeah, they, you let you let him in and all of a sudden they see the unseeable. <laughs> and then you can't you can't unsee can't what they just it. saw. It. All right, what's well, that time right. for this week's editorial question of the week? Well, you know, earlier we got talking about food. Tots. And I feel like we really let Shauna into a dark world that exists. She if, if it, I don't know if you if it'll make the video extract real or not, but Shauna sat there listening to us talk about what we eat when nobody's looking yeah. with her head in her hands, like pulling on her own hair, like I cannot <laughs> fathom that's what I'm hearing. And what do you guys mean when no one's looking? <laughs> Well, like, you don't have a wife, like, you know, yeah, preparing yeah. a meal about, for you. It's not about shame. It's just no. about convenience. No, no, no. It's about convenience. It's about, right, it's, exactly. It's the days before you registered for plates, and then the days after when you just don't really care that you registered for plates. Where, where you know? your plate is now a torn-up pizza box. Right. So, so we want to know from you, what's the weirdest uh, meal that you make for yourself that you've maybe started doing in college, maybe you grew up on it, maybe you just do it. The weirdest thing you make for yourself regularly Kind of when you're just on your own for a quick meal, quick bite at the house. Yeah. What's the weirdest thing you kind of like? What's your go-to? Yeah. My go-to is the the rolled up bologna. 
I roll up the bono- the bologna. If I'm I'm just a little hungry, it takes the edge yeah. off, and I'll eat, g- and later in the evening I'll snack on maybe some carrots and hummus or something like that, or yeah. or, or a pickle. Yeah, and and I'll round out the meal, but it's just kind of a roving meal that starts standing at the counter with the bologna slices. This is literally three to five times a week for me. Yeah, I will. Yeah, when Bree's gone, mine is cereal and apples because it just apple doesn't need a plate and the cereal. Well, I can just use the same bowl over and over again. Cameron, sometimes I'll roll deli meat around a <laughs> mozzarella stick. Ooh. And that's, of course that's, you that's will. like an entire meal. Of and course. then uh, sometimes gourmet. it's just half a jar of olives. Oh, half so good. Like uh, what? Green or brown? Like calamari? No, no, the green. Pimento oh, yeah. is in the middle. Yeah. You know, I just, I started, and my intention usually is to, just to eat a couple. Yeah. You know? And then, you know, five minutes later, half the jar's gone. That's yeah. one, like almonds. Like we were talking about things that sneak up on you. Yeah. Like I'll just eat a bunch of almonds and you're like, whoa. It's, it's good. It's good fat, but <laughs> it's would, packed, with, yeah, packed with calories. That's all of next week's calories. Yeah. <laughs> I just ate while watching Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know the nutritional value of olives. I just know I like the way they taste. I've, I've never had an olive. I have no idea what it tastes like. You're really missing out. You really olives are. Olives are delicious. great. That's interesting. You've never had an olive like on a on a thing. Mm-mm. There are some that are not good, I think. But the good salty olives. Yeah, that's the ones. I, I, the green salty ones. Green, I'll, I'll, I can I eat the even, whole I didn't jar. even know they were salty. Ooh, green ol- yeah. green olives and pepperoni on a pizza. Oh. It's the best. They're like yeah. an oval of salt. It is exactly an oval of salt. Really? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, cool. so we want to know uh, what's the go-to meal, weird go-to meal that you make for yourself when yeah, you're on your own, when you're fending for yourself. You can post your answers on the podcast episode page at relevantmags.com. You can also tweet us at Relevant Podcast, and we'll read our favorites next week. Many thanks to Scott Harrison and Christoph Gorder for talking to us. If you want to get involved with what they're doing to uh, relief efforts in Nepal, go over to charitywater.org and follow there. 100% uh, of what you donate goes to the field. Also, you know, the, the new issue of Relevant is out now. You should get it. If you uh, subscribe now, you'll get it in time for the, the Hillsong United issue to uh, hit your mailbox. And obviously, when you subscribe, you get instant digital access to the iPad editions, uh, the Android edition, the, the website, premium content as well. It's only a buck a month right now, a special offer. So if you go over to relevantmagazine.com, you can subscribe today and get the new issue of Relevant. It's really good article on yeah. Hillsong. Yeah. It's really cool. Little magazine. So great. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, thanks. Eddie. I like it. Hey, you can read Eddie's Eddie's article. All right, you don't have to talk. He about likes him. this issue. I'm a very big deal. Everyone, comment on that. Make sure to check out video extracts from this episode and previous ones. We finally got back in the swing uh, with the video extracts. Uh, you can check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com/relevant. And thanks to our sponsors, Stamps.com and Harry's. Remember, Stamps.com when you click the microphone, put in promo code Relevant for their $110 bonus offer, and Harry's. You can use promo code RELEVANT to get $5 off your first order. Disrupting the shaving industry. One beautifully smooth face at a time. That should be their new slogan. <laughs> really pitch, should. Pitch, pitch him, Eddie. Yeah. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffoltz. John David Snavely. I'm Jesse Carey. For Sean and Equist. Ooh, Ooh. Guess what? Ooh, Next week's episode. Joy's back. Joy to the world. You won't want to miss it. Can't wait. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts and get bonus material from this episode at the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check out the magazine. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store 
or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. I'm going to move out of Alaska with with one last heist.